Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and welcome to Nintendo World Report's Connectivity, Episode 17. On this week's show, Zach, Danny, Patrick, and myself ring in the new year with our predictions for 2012. After that, Neil and Scott join Zach, Danny, and Patrick for a round of news and listener mail. If you're into hockey, keep listening after that section for a bonus segment. Don't forget to send us your thoughts and questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Hello, welcome to Connectivity Episode 17. This is our predictions show. We got a full cast here. We got Patrick Barnett. Hello. Daniel Bivens. Mr. Hello. Bivens. Hello, please. <laughs> and, uh, That's not racist because he's in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, is it make it more racist? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think we should backwards. aim to be as racist as possible. Okay, well, okay. um so we're gonna do a prediction show we're each gonna do one uh because we have four people it might take a while we're gonna do one serious prediction one hopeful prediction and one joke prediction i'm calling that one my predonction because it's negative (laughs) it's got don't in the middle of it okay carl um (laughs) uh okay so let's Let's start with the serious, these might actually happen predictions, and we'll start with Patrick. All right, um, for this one, I thought Pikmin 3 will be a Wii U launch title. I really think it's either going to be launch window, but I definitely think it's going to be a launch title. Not sure. I would agree with that. That was cool. one of my almost predictions that I <laughs> thought was maybe would make, but I f- figured someone else would pick it, actually, so I thought of something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Like, how If it doesn't happen... How long has that game been in development? I mean, exactly. It's got to happen. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, what? They said it's, it's almost done or something like that for the Wii, right? So it's like, what? Yeah, they said, they yeah, said I mean, it was almost Miyamoto done said it was going to come out. Sword. <laughs> so it's like, this, this, should, this shouldn't be a hard thing to make for launch or at least launched window. I mean, for crying out loud, come on. It'll certainly be launched window. Like, Pikmin came out, I think, like a week and a half or two weeks after the GameCube, and I would call that basically launch yeah. anyway. Yeah. I can't wait to see what they do with that game. It'll be good. Maybe it'll be an upscaled collection of Pikmin's 1 and 2. No, but I hope it's 3. I really do. <laughs> it's the perfect it's the perfect game to put on that system with the tablet thing and the you could draw on it and you can just order the Pikmin around with your hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. How about uh, how about you, Danny? Oh, well, this is, has to do with this, the Wii U launch in general. I think that it's probably going to launch here in Japan sometime between July and September and then have a release in North America, Europe, definitely by November at the very latest. I mean, I think that's uh, it's kind of a safe thing to say. I mean, what, just what Reggie was saying, like, oh, I'll tell you what, it's coming out by the end of the year. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that's it's going to happen. So I think it's going to, at least in Japan, I think it's going to come out earlier. Uh, if you look at kind of how the past console release has been, well, at least with the 3DS, and even like DSi and stuff like that, it's kind of been trending, you know, where it comes, things have been coming out in Japan first, and then, uh, you know, with the other uh, regions to follow afterwards. I think they'll continue that trend with the Wii U hardware. What do you see with price? Mm, I'd probably say somewhere between two and 300 maybe even 250 because uh, they, they have to stay competitive against the PS3 and Xbox 360, because if they don't, it's just that's stupid. And they'll just be shooting themselves in the foot. It's like, yeah, of course they got this new controller, 
and that's definitely different than, you know, the, comp- the competition out there. But, man, they, they need to make sure that they can get this thing out, you know, out the door. Yeah. Yeah, I would say three – I mean, you'd think 250 would be the smart move. That's mm-hmm. what the Wii launched um, at. And that's what the 3DS launched at. But I'm pegging it at 300. I think that um, as a console itself, if it came out like a brand new console, like like a normal brand new console, mm-hmm. that like if a new console just randomly came out and was competitive with the Xbox and the PlayStation 3, it wasn't like way ahead of them or anything. Mm-hmm. 250 sounds like the right price for that console. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nintendo's going to charge more. One because they always do. They like to make a profit on their hardware. Mm-hmm. And two, sure on the 3DS. They, they can they can put a lot of that cost like in the user in the in the consumer's mind. They can put a lot of that cost on the new controller because it's like gigantic. It's the size right. of an iPad. An iPad sure. costs five hundred dollars. Like, yeah. so they can make that that controller. I think gives them a little more leeway to to bump the price up to like three hundred bucks. I think, and they'll take that. They'll. And then probably a year later, like in 2013, they'll drop it to 250 because they can probably decrease the component cost of that thing pretty, pretty quickly because it's not like bleeding edge. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, one one thing I hope they do with the controller too. I hope they make it capacitive touch, so it's not you're Living using in it a in, dream world. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not 1999 or something. You know. Here's a prediction that is not for next year. Or for this year, rather, or probably for maybe two or three years, but would be surprised <laughs> if down the line they released a Wii U tablet plus, like Motion yes. Plus. Yeah. It'll be instead of Motion Plus, it'll be Touch Plus, and it'll be multi-touch. Yeah, that, that almost they would sounds totally like, do that because exactly. it's almost like the Wii Remote. They skimped on the components, like to keep the price down, mm-hmm. and then they ended up having to make an attachment to make it more accurate later. So. And then they threw away the attachment and just gave us a new controller. Yeah, and that's what they're. <laughs> there won't be an attachment, obviously, for multi-touch. They'll just skip the middle step. Mm-hmm. But they want to keep the component price down. Sure, because they're sure. cheap. Exactly. So do you guys, do you guys think it'll have a lo- uh, bundled game? Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can't do a bundled game anymore now that they had all those apps on the 3DS and they launched Wii Sports. I, I don't think mm-hmm. they cannot do that anymore. Yeah, I, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, was, I mean, I think it's possible they'll do something similar, like maybe new Super Mario Brothers Me or whatever you know that the demo was from E3 and stuff last year. Whatever I, they already have made. Yeah, I don't know so. if they'll include a game, but I wouldn't be surprised if they'll definitely do something like, like maybe not a full game, but if you buy it like within like the first like two shipments, they'll have like a sticker on the front that you can peel off and redeem a code to get a free oh. download game. Yeah. That's what Xbox did when it first came out, actually. All the games, all the systems, as soon as you connected it to Xbox Live, you got like two free, like really ship like puzzle games. <laughs> but still <laughs> I don't think so it'll be good. quite that bad. But well, it'll the, be like, you know remember when the DSI launched, uh you when you bought it you got like a thousand DSI points. And with uh yeah. and that buys the, uh, like two games. Yeah, with the 3DS, as soon as the eShop was available, Excitebike was free. Like they want, right. they're they're always going to do, I think, a promotional free game whenever a new thing like that launches because they want to drive people to the store so they know how to get back to the store and spend yeah. real money. Sure, that's true. All right, how about your serious prediction, Mike? Or was um, that your serious prediction? No, that was not. Uh, my actual serious prediction was uh, I I'm pretty confident that 
Retro is going to have um, a Wii a Wii U launch title. We, we haven't seen anything. Talking about this. We haven't seen anything from them. Yeah, because I guess were you talking about it in this week's news segment? Yeah, because they're staffing up. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, here's my prediction. So it's probably already been heard on this episode. So I'll keep it short. But Retro staffing up. There's a new console coming out this year. They haven't released anything on 3DS yet. They might put something out on 3DS. No, maybe, but it's all signs seem guy. to point to uh, to a major console launch title the question is will it be a new ip or will it be metroid <laughs> we i, would I said bump, it was I'm, metroid Neil i'm probably zelda. not i'm no it's like zelda they just put a zelda game out um i'm and they'll never let a fucking western team develop <laughs> zelda oh my god that's the biggest I, joke i've heard ever um they haven't um I, they haven't put a metroid game out in forever and I was probably not going to buy... I'm probably not going to buy a Wii U at launch, is my thought. I'll probably wait until it gets a little cheaper, especially after being burned on by the 3DS a little bit. Um, But if there is a well-received brand-new Metroid game on the Wii U at launch, I'm fucking buying one. Like, I need (laughs) that shit. I suggested earlier, Mike, uh, maybe Retro's working on Super Metroid Returns. (laughs) Don't don't even don't even. <laughs> so what's your uh, what's your prediction? Zach? Uh, uh, my prediction is that there will be significant. Uh, they will announce at E3 there will be significant uh, kind of wireless connectivity crap between the 3DS and the Wii U, and, and they won't just talk about like Smash Brothers Wii U DS. Um, It'll be able to you think like a little mini controller? Yeah, well, mini controller or. Uh, there will be games where you can upload data from, you know, the Wii, a Wii game onto the 3DS. Or, sure, or like Pokemon versa. to Stadium. Yeah, like they could mm. do a Pokemon, easily do a Pokemon thing. But, you know, they could do some version of transferring too. <laughs> transferring, oh <laughs> God. I know that's a stupid <laughs> word, but, but I can see it happening. I mean, obviously the 3DS games would look worse, but, I mean, they could do that for the Smash Bros. game. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you could you could upload your progress from the 3DS version to the Wii U and vice versa. Do you think a Fox team developed Smash Brothers would be good? Fox team? Fo- that's Kojima's team. Oh. Or Fox Hound, I guess. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Or is Fo- it... maybe Fox was the name of the engine that they used. Now I can't remember, and I feel stupid. Well, <laughs> I don't think they're handling... Uh, Metal Gear Rising anymore. I think that's in Platinum Games' hands now, so who knows yeah. what they're doing. You mean Revengeance? <laughs> yeah, Revengeance. <laughs> Kojima, man, that guy is a nut. Like, yeah. I don't think that's even he a made, Metal Gear He made Boktai. I wouldn't be surprised if he came around with something weird, if Nintendo can get him to do it. I think if they get him to, to do an exclusive game, that will sell units. I don't know, because the last time they got him to do an exclusive game, they got Boktai, which was a very good game, but it was clearly Kojima saying, I have the chance to make whatever I want. I'm going to make something that's fucking crazy. Like, that's what he does when you give him that kind of power, pr- like control over the production of a game where you don't say it's got to be in an established genre and it's got to be something that probably at least a couple million people are going to buy. And mm-hmm. it's got to be at least decently mainstream, oh, at least oh, on the face. You know what would be cool. You know, it would be cool on the Wii U with that tablet controller, uh, zone of vendors. Yeah. That'll but never happen, but when hey. you actually, when you look at it, like Metal Gear Solid, like looks like the most generic, like normal bro game on the face <laughs> of it. Like on the face of it, you're like a spy and you're sneaking around and you're assassinating people. But then when you play the game, you're like, Life this fighting. shit is fucking whack. <laughs> like, what is going on? 
Yeah. I'd actually like to see a, or they'll never do it, but I'd like to see a, a second, better remake of the original Metal Gear. I think <laughs> they could do that on the Wii U great. and the tablet could be your radar. Oh, no, you're talking about Metal Gear. I'm sorry. I was thinking Twin Stakes, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, no, Metal Gear Solid, Twin Snake. I may be the only person that thinks, I don't know, Metal Gear Solid's pretty well revered among a lot of people, and a lot of people don't like Twin Snakes, but I think it's so much way fucking better. Oh, it it's is. so oh, ridiculous. My. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, so there are serious predictions. Now our hopeful predictions. These might not happen, but we really hope they do. Go, Patrick. Um... A new Zelda 3DS game. You said there wasn't going to be a Wii Zelda game, but I think a 3DS Zelda game is possible since Ocarina of Time oh, yeah. was done last year. And uh, I think it will be there. Will it be Majora's Mask or something new? <clears throat> I think it'll be something new, not Majora's Mask. Not another remake right after another. Yeah. yeah it'll I, be something in the vein of... Or, sorry, go ahead, Danny. Yeah, I, I, was thinking, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, Al Numa was even what saying earlier, in, well, last year, saying, like, hey, you know, we want to... We, we wouldn't mind doing a Majora's Mask, but we'd like to do some something else, you know, something new before we do that. So I think we can definitely see that. We're now, whereas I don't know if they'll use, like, the same engine or if they would. I mean, if it would be heavily modified to maybe even be more something like Skyward Swordish, or if they'll go with uh, maybe some kind of, like, a Wind Waker-esque type of thing. Uh, you know, that, that's to be... Who knows? Those you know. waters have been poisoned by the DS <laughs> games. Yeah, so I, I mean... Wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have the... I mean, they have the Ocarina engine running on the, mm-hmm. DS, on the 3DS, and it could put out better graphics. Like, oh, yeah. A lot of Ocarina oh, yeah. 3D was, like... They didn't increase the polygon counts too much, because if they did, it wouldn't look retro enough. Right. And, so, uh, and they just yeah. cleaned everything up a lot. And that engine, if you you know, modified it and optimized it, it could probably make a really good looking game oh, yeah. on the 3DS. And do you guys think if that's the case, what was the name of the team they had to do that? Was it was it Gecko Grez- or Greco? Grezzo. 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 Do you think they would have Grezzo develop it? Because yeah. they've been known to do that with handheld Zelda games is farm them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm, yeah, I can see that. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Will it be good in that case? Oh. Well, the the handheld, I mean, the handheld Zelda people for a long time were Capcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, so, you know what, though? I have a bias against 2D Zelda. I know you do. So that that's probably fueling my bias of third-party developed Zelda because they're all 2D <laughs> and I don't like any of them. Link's <laughs> Awakening, man! That one's all right. Like, that one's all right. But that's about... <laughs> that one drives me I don't even like Link to the Past that much. Oh, man. Like, wow, I'm you and JP Zelda should I didn't, together. Well, I didn't really, really even get into Zelda until Ocarina. It was kind of like my real, the first Zelda game I really played. Huh. Well, to be fair, so Metroid that's probably Prime why. was the first Metroid game I really played. Actually, likewise with me on the on the Metroid, but with Zelda, like, actually, A Link to the Past is the first one I played, and I remember just l- absolutely loving it, but then reading about Ocarina of Time before it came out, I was just so hyped. And then when I finally played it, I was, like, crapping all over the place, almost literally, <laughs> and just, yeah. yeah, it was so amazing. It's the best. Yeah. Get into Hyrule Field and just piss yourself. Well, yeah. it was the best until Wind Waker. <laughs> there you go. And Wind Waker is still the best. <clears throat> Majora's Mask! <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, let me rewind time again and do this shit again. Sounds like fun uh, to me. Yeah. I actually haven't finished that game. I, I should finish it. It's phenomenal. I, I, I just, need to. Yeah. I never finished it either. I think I got to like like maybe the third or fourth temple area, like the third or fourth dungeon. And I just stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I really, really, I got tired of like, I don't think I was like 
fully I was I was much younger then and I don't think I was fully comprehending like the mechanic of the time travel thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really fully like could appreciate it. I think if I went back and played it now, especially I would love to play it, but I don't really want to play it unless it's on 3DS now. I kind of want to hold out. Yeah. I mean, I, I played it on the virtual console. I, I bought it on That's launch day. It. Yeah, I bought it on launch day when it came out in 2000. And then I had it on the virtual console for the longest time and didn't beat it until like October 2010. And my God, it's just a really amazing game. I mean, I had liked it, you know, before that, but after actually completing it, it was like, holy crap, this is actually really amazing. And I don't know, for me, just because the fact that it's it's pretty different than any of the other Zelda games out there, that's what really, you know, sets it apart for me. It's just a really, really amazing take on Zelda, and it's just... It's not like something you see in all the other ones. It's not just rescue the princess and you know whatever. You know, man. Now I really want to play it. I think I might bust out. I have the GameCube copy of it that was like a nice. pre-order from one of the Zelda things oh, at GameStop. Nice. I got one of those I too. Have, nice. Uh, so maybe I'll pop the, it in there with the Wii and play it. I have it on N64, and this is before I thought about getting it on Virtual Console. I popped it in, put it on my TV. It looks awful. <laughs> just not just not just it looks bad, but it's so dark. Oh, it's oh yeah, because it's on. You have a nice TV, I assume. Yeah. Um, Shit, that's right. Maybe I should wait for a 3DS remake. Well, no. Then I <laughs> then I got it on Virtual Console, and it looks great. Oh well, shit. Maybe I'll just have to pony up. You know, at least I can see it. So. Maybe I'll just have to pony up for it then. No, it's it's a good game. I mean, I I'm in. I'm at the first temple. I forget why I put it down, but I I like it. It's it's very imaginative. I've got some game. I think I have some time to squeeze a game in between now and when SSX comes out at the end of February. Oh, you're not. That game is SSX, that game is going to consume you? my life for like probably at least three months. I'm going to play it every day. <laughs> I played SSX three every day for the better part of a year. <laughs> wow, it's that good. All right, uh, Danny. How about you? What's your hopeful prediction? Um. Well, for the sake of everyone in North America, I really hope that. The last story in Pandora's Tower actually come out. I honestly, I don't think that they will. No. Nope. Um, and if they did, I think it'd probably be something like in the summertime, uh, maybe about the same time frame in the when dead period. Yeah, maybe like the same time frame when uh, Xenoblade Chronicles launched in Europe, like last year, like August, mid-August, something like that. Maybe even a little bit earlier. But I mean, I've played a lot of the last story in Japanese, and it's just amazing. It's just a really cool game. Um, it's really easy to get into. It's not super JRPG-ish. Uh, it's a lot of like action-oriented stuff, and it's just super simple to play. Uh, Pandora's Tower, on the other hand, it's it's not really an RPG. It's kind of like it's a lot more action even than the last story. Uh, it's just I don't know, it's, a, it's a, they're both like pretty good-looking Wii games, and there's a lot of fun. And just I think it'd be a, a good last hurrah, but I, I'm kind of doubtful <laughs> for the North American releases on them, though, unfortunately. Call up GameStop. Yeah. Well, if people, if Xenoblade is Xenoblade Chronicles is received very well, if they manage mm-hmm. to sell a good number of those, like enough to make a little profit and mm-hmm. justify the cost of going through it again, then they'll probably do it. But yeah, right. Will right. that happen? Uh, that's another thing too. <laughs> <coughs> I, I, which, which of those games would you say deserves the widest audience? Like would. If, be, if they had to, if Xenoblade Chronicles was still over there, mm-hmm. and you had to pick one of those three games to bring over to the Western markets, which one would you say everyone needs to play? I think the last story. Um, I think it's it's easier to get into than something like Xenoblade. Personally, 
Uh, it's not, I, I mean, because Xenoblade is like so RPG that it's just, <laughs> it, it can really turn a lot of people off. The last story, on the other hand, it's not quite that in your face with being an RPG. I mean, yeah, it is, but it's just, it's just a little bit different. It's kind of nuanced that way. I mean, hell, they got online multiplayer for crying out loud too, which is kind oh, of wow. weird. Yeah, which is kind of weird, but it's still kind of cool. Uh, nice. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do. It's definitely, it's nowhere near as long. Like, the story mode's nowhere near as long. I think it's only something like 25, 30 hours, yeah, 40 hours. Yeah, that's fine with and me. Then, yeah, Xenoblade is, what, like 80 to 100 if you're insane. Oh, my God. So, if you're James Jones, I would, yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to play that game. I don't have 80 hours to put into a game unless it's SSX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how about you, Mike? Uh, my hopeful prediction is that we'll get... Um, this kind of almost goes off my last, um, what we were talking about with Retro on my last prediction in Metroid, but I actually thought it up before that. Um, I'm hopefully predicting that we will get a seriously good mainline Metroid game on the 3DS. Hmm. Handheld. I don't want it on the Metroid. Wii U. I want it handheld, and I want it to look like 2D, like maybe 2D, but Samus can move between like a foreground, a midground, and a background, almost kind of like... Mutant Buds! Um, Oh, actually, almost kind of like like Little Big Planet. Actually, okay. you know how there's kind of like three planes of right. depth to the. It's almost like three platforming levels stacked in front of each other. Right. Um, and if you put them together right, you can navigate between them. I think something like that, with you to take advantage of the 3D depth in a Metroid game. Um, I mean, maybe it wouldn't have to be all the time. Maybe just in certain rooms or something. I mean, obviously, like yeah. you'll get into a narrow column, and then it'll just be one or something. But I think that would be a really awesome way to do a Metroid game on the 3DS, put the map on the bottom screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's practically made for a proper Metroid game. It is. And they've never made one for it. They didn't make a proper Metroid game for the DS at all. No. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous that we haven't had a 2D Metroid game since Metroid Zero Mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is So true. I'm really hopefully predicting that we will get one on the 3DS. I'd like to see one of two directions taken with the Metroid franchise. One... Stop making prequels and intercoals and make a, make, tell us how the story continues after Metroid 4, after there are no more Metroids. You know, maybe she can bounty hunt. Does she do that? She's a bounty hunter. <laughs> you would think, yeah, that's right? true. We never we only focus on this one aspect of her. Right. Her timeline is her involvement with the Metroids. And the other the other direction I'd like to see him take is Go back to when she was a kid living with the Chozo, exploring the planet before it became ruins. I feel like they would do that as a flashback scene. Like, I did any they, of you guys play Uncharted 3? I no. haven't yet. No, I suck. The opening, well, there's like a prologue scene of Uncharted 3 you play, and then like the next chapter goes back in time to when Drake was like 13 years old, and you play as Drake like breaking into this museum in some South American country to like to to like steal a, an artifact from the museum. Mm-hmm. And but it's like you're seeing the beginnings of Drake, but you're not just seeing them; you're directly playing them. Yeah, okay. that would be cool. That would be a great way to do it. Yeah, they did. They kind of do that in Heavy Rain too. Like I don't know if you guys played that. Uh, I hated it. Hey, I liked it. I like Shinmu also. So boom. I, I had to move the control. <laughs> yeah, but Heavy Rain didn't have any forklifts. Shave the dude's face. Yeah, well, Heavy Rain, Heavy Rain didn't have enough drawers to open up that were empty and had absolutely nothing in them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's so that's my I, prediction. I Give really me a Metroid, hope. I really hope. A really good. Right. 2D Metro. I don't know who would develop it. But Not Sakamoto, be, please. Be so good. <laughs> please make it. Please, please, please make it. 
You can never make another Metroid game. Like, where's Metroid Dread? It's somewhere. Give it to yeah, me. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, okay, my hopeful prediction... Um, well, boy, I was going to go with Metroid thing, too, but now I won't. Uh, my, my hopeful Ha-ha, pre- I stole it. I know. <laughs> my hopeful prediction is that they make a real Star Fox game, um, and somebody like Q Games makes it, mm-hmm. and it's on the 3DS, and it's, you know... They when they made Star Fox sixty four three D, those were all original art assets and everything, but but it wasn't really pushing the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see them push the system with a new Star Fox game in three D, no on foot segments, <laughs> keep them in the R wings. No, put them in a train, one train level, please. <laughs> That's the best level. I hate that level. Or that, that it's, it's not a train; it's a landmaster level. Yeah, I hate that. What? What I hate even worse is a submarine. I just want to just shoot. Oh, I myself. hate the submarine. The submarine sucks, but that landmaster level, don't no. get. It's the one on Macbeth. Don't talk to Johnny Betts. Don't tell him you don't like that level because it's his favorite level in any video game ever. I, I mean, can never hit all me the too. switches. I could. I got. I got it down to a muscle memory. I could hit <laughs> all of those switches every time, practically with my eyes closed. I'm so good at it because I played the shit out of it. It's one of my favorite levels ever. Yeah, when I, when I played it like when I was a kid, I was pretty good at doing it. Then I don't know now playing like the remake, and even I played it on the Virtual Console a few years ago too. Just man, I don't know. I just can't stand the tank. I just don't like it. So. I don't. There's another tank level, isn't there? I don't like that yeah, one. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's, there's the one Macbeth where you have level. To rescue Slippy. And that was my other hopeful prediction for the game. Slippy fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> Killed in an explosion in the beginning of the game. That'd be nice. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> More likely that they get Q Games to develop the Star Fox game than they would to kill Slippy. <laughs> yeah. They need that 11-year-old Japanese girl to do some voice work. She needs yeah. her college money. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, now our joke predictions. This should be fun. Patrick, joke it up. All right, um, this probably isn't too much of a joke, but I was thinking, you guys remember when the Xbox 360 had that major hardware revision, and they, uh, at the E3 event, they were just like, it's releasing right now, and you all got one. That's thinking, right, yes. What if Nintendo did that with the Wii U, where everyone in the audience, they just hand out Wii U's. That would be great. It will never happen. I am going happen. to E3 then. <laughs> it's, it's be, it'd be the Saturn all over again. Like, oh, by the way, remember we said we were going to release it in like four months? No, it's out like in a week and a half. <laughs> and then all the retailers got pissed because they didn't have time to plan for the distribution and the selling of it. They couldn't promote it, and they they were all super pissed. So that's why it will never happen. <laughs> but God, I wish. Even though I'm not going to E3, God, I wish. And it'll come with Excitebots too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I, I remain hopeful, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Danny. Okay, for Wii U storage medium, I hope that they develop a new uh, medium. And it's what it's going to be, it's going to be a combination of laser discs and HD DVD. <laughs> um, it's going to be H- HDLD. Uh, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be a new standard across you know all media. Um, especially even in car audio and stuff too, <laughs> you could have like 36 HDLD. disc changes for laser discs that you have to put in your trunk. You have to because you know where else are you going to put it? Um, no, I, I really have a thing for outdated technology. And they'll uh, be able to put the entire Lord of the Rings special edition trilogy on one HDLD. No, the sense would be two or three, but, but you it's have okay. to flip it halfway through, though. So yeah, yeah. what well, you could flip, flip the sides. It. 
Yeah, we'll have to flip it halfway through. Yeah, yeah. So they'll they'll, they'll release a hardware re- rendition later on where it just does the flipping automatically. Not you know because they have some of them where the, the laser goes to the bottom and the top and stuff. But oh, what? of course. Any, any, any who. <laughs> That'd be great. I think it'd be awesome. Maybe I'm the only one. So that's that would be fine. amazing. <laughs> Weighs three hundred pounds. And you have to buy a whole new. Uh, Whole new console set up in your living room. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I like that. All right, Mike, go ahead. Well, mine's not as funny because I thought we were, when I thought these up earlier today, I thought we were doing predunctions, like things we thought definitely weren't going to happen. Oh, that's not, fine. Not just, but I think mine is funny tangentially just because it's kind of sad. Um, <laughs> I predict, or I guess I predict that, I don't predict that when the Wii U launches, it will have a competent, robust <laughs> online oh. system. Yeah. That is not going to happen. It is going to be... I mean, the 3DS is the best we've gotten. Just the fact that we're down to one friend code. Like, good work, guys. Good work. But mm-hmm. you're not quite there yet. Yeah. I don't oh. understand why I have to put a friend code in still. Like, why can't I just put a gamer tag in? I don't... What what makes it so secure that I have to give them a number before they can know my name? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It has to be a combination of numbers, not letters. <laughs> yeah. Or even, you know, man, it's like... Yeah, the only what, I guess the only nice thing about a friend code is it lets people multiple people have the same screen name, but mm-hmm. then that's a whole another problem. I almost <laughs> yeah. exactly, and it's I less mean, unique. I, I think having the friend code is not necessarily <laughs> bad, but I mean, it sucks because you both have to put it in. You can't just hey, right. one guy does it, and then you're like, oh, you know, Joe Blow or Joe Jack, yeah, it whatever. Should be that is way. If to you put that, the number yeah. in, it should send. If uh, you put the number in, it should send a request. Yeah, exactly. there's no there's no reason that well, I need to get on Twitter. To, to do this like but i do yeah. i need to use twitter or email or anything if i want to be someone's friend build it all into one system it yeah. was actually pretty funny mike at the let me you know let me play a game week, with, we didn't really me... have a staff meeting so much as a friend code swapathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me go into a game and you know, let me find him from my previous players list and be like boom i want to add you as a friend there's no, there will not be any systems to support this so you know when swap note came out i thought that was great but I thought what I, my envisioning of the whole 3DS messaging program was I was assuming that it was just going to be built into the 3DS friend, you know, friend code area. Yeah. Too. And so it's kind of like lame that if you want to, you know, message your friends, you got to go to this other application to do it. You cannot just do this all on like the same thing. It just, takes 15 least, minutes uh, to prep the, yeah. the thing. Yeah, that should run in the background. Um, isn't that what the por- point of Spot Pass is? To download yeah, things in the background, think. not just send me a notification that I need to download something. Yeah, which I, you know, uh, I, I found that kind of odd because in, here in Japan, you know, they have you know, you know Nintendo Video and then this other video service here too. Uh, basically, it translates as like Spot Pass TV. And I mean, I, I always have my 3DS on, and you know, it just downloads the stuff like overnight. You know, whatever, whenever I'm sleeping or throughout as the day. As long as it's plugged in, it should be downloading shit. It, exactly, and it does that, and it does it just fine. So what the hell? Why can't? Why is Swapnote not doing this? I have to boot up the thing, and it's like, oh, you have fifty-seven new messages, but it only downloads like you know two and a half minutes, minutes later. Yeah, yeah. It only downloads. And at the very least, time. even if they can't build messaging into the Friends app, there should at least be a button that says "Send a message," and it throws yeah. you over to Swapnote and preps it, so you're already writing a message, and it's already set to go to that person. Yeah. So I mean, no, that would be, that would be way, way <laughs> too convenient. Holy shit. Well, that means That'd be it, like how my iPhone works. Hey, yeah. I mean, Nintendo is kind of getting with it a little bit. I mean, there are some things that they're doing a lot. Basically, you know, you can go into Mario Kart uh, right now. It's probably about the only yeah, game. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Mario friends. Kart's... But they're going to do that thing where a majority of the infrastructure is going to be built into the games and everyone's going to do a different implementation yeah. and most of them are going to suck. 
they're yeah. going to come up with the most basic lobby system and then do like build a real infrastructure. Then you can use it for 3DS and Wii U. You only need mm-hmm. one infrastructure. Just have them connect to the same servers. Yeah. It would be really cool to see, oh, look, you're on your Wii U and your and your friend Zach is playing this on his 3DS. Why don't you send him an invite to play this game with you on Wii U? Because I already know that you both own this game because you both registered it and you've both played it before. And he'll get the message on his 3DS. Hey, do you want to play Smash Brothers? Yeah, sure. Boom. Now we're playing together. No, that will never fucking happen. <laughs> that won't happen in 2012, and that won't happen ever. That won't happen in, like, 2022. I mean, come on. Though, to be fair, it may actually happen with Smash Brothers if the way they're talking about interoperability, but right. I seriously doubt it will be that. It'll be, like, transferring. It won't be anything real. Yeah. Will it, will it be a year until the OS is all the way done? Yeah. I won't be able to just hop online and play with somebody on my Wii U while they play on a 3DS. That, that's a fucking pipe dream. <laughs> I mean, it's an entirely attainable pipe dream, but it will yeah. never really happen. Oh, my lord. Well, my joke prediction is not going to beat any of that. <laughs> uh, remind me the company that remind me the company that made the new Mortal Kombat. Whoever they are. Those they're going to make Primal Rage 2. <laughs> and it's going to be amazing. Could be cool. Yes. Join us again, Mike. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, it's going to be Primal Rage 2. It will uh, retain the um, stop-motion animation style, but better <laughs> because it's HD. Cool. So it'll, uh, and it'll be three-dimensional like Coraline. So, uh, yes. You'll be. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually going to be on Wii U now that I think about it. This my primal rage now might not fit Nintendo's uh, sensibilities too well. They, uh, <laughs> they did censor the hell out of it on the Super Nintendo. Too bad they got rid of Rare. We could have at least gotten a new Killer Instinct. Yeah. Oh. Dude. I don't like fighting games at all, but Killer Instinct. So what they're gonna do? Primal Rage versus Killer Instinct. Yes. Oh my God, that's actually probably a brilliant idea. <laughs> and Rare and Retro will develop it. Full Gore oh. versus a. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay. <laughs> well, they already have that raptor yeah. in uh, Killer Instinct. There you go. They're halfway there. Secret <laughs> playable, secret already. playable character Falcor from the Neverending Story. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you only get that if you pre-order at GameStop. <laughs> if you pre-order at Target, you get Rainbow Bright's horse. Sweet. <laughs> I would buy that game. Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, so there you go. There's all our predictions for 2012 and the many years ahead. Um, yeah, good show, guys. Thanks for joining me on this little uh, shindig. Yeah, Indeed. no problem. Yep. And uh, may all of our wishes come true. Yes. <laughs> well, except mine, my last one. I don't want that to come true. I want <laughs> to be all not true. And yeah. And things will be wonderful. I think we both know it's going to be true. Yeah. Uh, we'll just buy an Xbox 720 for the, you know, OS we want. Uh, or you could, um, I, I don't, uh, brief, I guess, rat hole, but did you guys see that they're releasing Connect for Windows? No. They announced it at CES yesterday. <laughs> the Connect for Windows costs $100 more than the Connect for Xbox, and it doesn't even work with a fucking Xbox. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but the Xbox version 
also the also the 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 Windows one comes with a shorter USB cable because it's obviously not going to be as far away from a machine as it would be like at an Xbox. I don't, but I don't. They're not going to let you plug it into an Xbox anyway, so I suppose it doesn't matter what length the cable is. <laughs> you can still buy a hundred fifty dollar Xbox One, and then like just plug it into your Windows machine. That works. There's drivers oh, it for it. So there's some specific lockout that they're doing with it that makes sure it won't work on an Xbox, but it will work on a PC. Oh, and the other one works both ways. The cheaper one works both ways, but I guess the Windows one comes with the SDK, and maybe, I don't know if you need to pay or register and pay for an SDK without it, so maybe that's why it's more expensive. Okay. Um, if that's yeah. true, then, I, then I'll cut them the slack for it. But there's still no reason for the Windows one to not work on an Xbox. That's so fucking dumb. Yeah. Why, why would you need Connect for Windows? People have been doing all sorts of interesting hacks why? with it, actually. Well, who cares? Who's gonna? It's an interesting gonna... human. Is it? It's a really interesting human <laughs> interface. I I got one for Christmas, and I don't really use it for anything other than saying Xbox pause, Xbox resume. Like it's brilliant for when I'm doing chores and I want to pause Hulu. That's yeah, great. But... Seriously, like that's one of the only reasons I want. I remember when it they were first showing it off, just like motioning through like the menus with your hands or something. No, that's that sucks. Funny. Oh. oh, it does. Well, it I, I it's really cool. This at Christmas in Kansas, that does. It's suck. really cool. It's mm-hmm. just that, and the the hand recognition is fine. Like that works mm-hmm. great. It's just that you have to track your hand so slowly because if you move it too quick, you lose. You immediately overshoot whatever you're going for. Right. Oh. So you have to move real. Sl- even though the buttons are like the buttons on the new dashboard are gi- are gigantic on purpose. Right. Yeah. So they're really big targets for your hand. But then to select something, you have to hold your hand in place for like three and a half, four seconds for it to oh. like, and a little a little meter fills around the hand icon that says you are selecting this. If move your hand if you don't want to select this, basically. <laughs> and if you don't move your hand before the meter fills, then it selects. So, but okay. it takes like three seconds. It's like it takes like f- ten times as much time as it did with the controller to find the button you want to press, right. and then it takes like a million times more because it takes like a millisecond to press the A button and it takes like three and a half seconds to press the A button with your virtual hand. So see my problem too. It slows shit down too much. Yeah. I I have a tiny, tiny apartment. So it's like, I don't even think it'd be even, it'd be a point even having a connect because it's so close Oh, speaking of the the new, you don't have a giant white painted room with white furniture. I do have a white windows. uh, (laughs) The windows one also, the Amazon description for the windows one also says, um, it supports an up close mode, so it can watch like individual fingertips, like if your hands are right wow. in front of it. Like, mm. so you can use it, and you could use it, I guess, in theory, to project a virtual. You could have a little thing, a little camera or thing, light yeah. projecting a virtual keyboard on a table, and then the Kinect could just Ooh. watch which hands your fingers were touch, which keys your keys your fingers were touching. That's yeah, see, interesting. That, that but annoys they, me about the Kinect is is when you're playing like Kinect Sports or something, your hands look like flippers. Yeah, or that, or the, the fingers just don't animate or something. But they've said this is coming through a firmware update to the hardware, so the Xbox One should be able to do it. So there's no that's not I can't that can't be a reason it's more expensive. No. Huh. So it's it's just far limited. But who knows? They might never update the firmware on the Xbox One because you have to plug it into an Xbox to update it, and well, if you can't or anyway. Good point. Yeah. So if they never put that into the Xbox SDK, then then it won't matter. Well, it, it'll be cool on the Wii U because you'll you'll have the dashboard on the touch screen. You'll be able to just touch stuff. Yeah. I mean, they will have that, right? Just tell me they'll have that. <laughs> it should. Right. Well, I've, I've, I've extended this, uh, this segment by like 10 minutes now. Oh, so. I don't care. Mission accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> more, more editing work for me. <laughs> All right, gents. Well, there you go. 
Great. Uh, those are predictions. May they all come true except Mike's. And uh, good day, y'all. Yeah. Peace out. Later. Welcome to the news with me, your host, Neil Ronahan. Also with me, we've got a full crew. We got Scott Thompson. Hello, and real quick, I just want to say, Patrick, uh, Danny, you guys can cover your ears. Um, Zach and Neil, I just want to say fuck you guys for not putting a gun to my head and making me get Super Mario 3D Land sooner because <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, Patrick and Danny, you guys are exempt. You weren't here. You guys are assholes. All right, the end. <laughs> I didn't have it yet. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm exempt as well. <laughs> It's um, so good, right? I, I yeah. I have no <laughs> excuse. I apologize. I didn't realize it was that dire of a situation. I should have <laughs> examined it better. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Also, as long as, um, long as you realize you were wrong, I appreciate. I, it. I, I recognize the error of my ways in the future. If Kid Icarus is that good, I'll just tell you to get it. Thank you. Um, and that would have been an excellent segue if it weren't for the fact that I need to introduce everyone else. So we got we got Danny Bivens straight out of Japan. Hello, please. <laughs> and we got Patrick Barnett, who uh, is mildly close to me compared to everyone else, Indeed. which is weird. So, hello. <laughs> yes. I and then Zach. Guys, I'm imagining you guys are in the Party same room. Rock! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I had to introduce my epic segue, segue, yeah, segue to Kid Icarus, but I will now use that now, and it's not really that clever anymore. But Kid Icarus Uprising, we found out today, will indeed use the Circle Pad Pro. Uh, Sakurai First party game using the circle pad. Yeah, pro. Um, Sakurai took some time out from posting freaking adorable pictures of his cat. Which, <laughs> if you guys haven't already, go to Sakurai's Twitter. Um, I'm following him. I think it's like Sora underscore Sakurai or something like that. Just search Sakurai Twitter. You'll find it. I get and enough look at his pictures twit of pics. cats on on Swap Note right now. I don't need more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you look at pictures of Sakurai's cat, it's it's amazing. Like his cat's his cat's crazy. It's awesome, and it's also like you get to see his cat like in front of his giant ass TV. His cat wearing a Santa hat. His cat with like some sort of fruit on his head. His cat sneaking up behind a door. Like it's amazing. But anyway, uh, Kid Icarus Uprising um, uses the Circle Pad Pro apparently, and it's basically for left handers uh, like me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm excited. And me. 
<laughs> oh wow, jeez. We we are owning this show now. Uh, right-handed. Uh, yeah, same here. Yeah. Okay, well we win or something. Yeah, lefties rule. But um, I've always now wondered. I've always sorry. I just wonder with being left-handed. Do you use your left hand to control the mouse on your computer? No, I use my right. Okay, I also, interesting. I also I've always wondered. Sports right-handed. Well, yeah. exactly. the only thing I do with my left hand is draw, and okay, there's one other thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume you're referring to eating soup. Yep. Yes. You eat yes. Soup with your left hand. Eating clam chowder. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm yeah, I'm pretty much a pure lefty when it comes down to it. I mean, there are some things like you know, mouse I use my right hand for, and like when I attempted to play guitar when I was younger, I really <laughs> flipped it lefty. But that's more of just like things that I was taught by a right-handed person to do. Yeah. They were you didn't even do the cool long. thing of just you didn't even like flip your guitar over and play it that way, play it like no, upside down because it was more difficult because that's how I was taught. <laughs> it, like I would have to mirror it in my head. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, the way it's gonna work is that it'll basically just control exactly the same, except for you'll be able to use the circle pad on the right and use your hand on the stylus, which is a little unfortunate because I think there was some hope that it would be a dual stick game. But I think Sakurai gave some sort of example saying that like. You know, the game relies heavily on using the touchscreen, and he feels it's best that way. But I'm very, very excited for that. Um, I also read the feature story on Kid Icarus in uh, Nintendo Power this month, and that made me very, very hyped for this game. I can't wait. I still don't care. Maybe I yeah, should, but I really don't. I mean, after playing, I played it last year at Nintendo World here in Japan, and I don't know, it's just kind of meh. It wasn't, like, bad, but it just wasn't, like, blowing my socks off or anything you know so. see my thing every time i played it the thing that kind of held it back for me was that the like the controls like it was very hard to maneuver mm-hmm. but when i did like kind of like you know i actually did for a little bit kind of almost play the game backwards because i wanted to use my <laughs> left hand and that didn't really work too well but like <laughs> if, if i was i was like if i could just play it like i want to then it would be fine and this makes me happy that I'll actually be able to do that. And I know uh, I was going, I was talking to someone on Twitter about this, where they said that like they feel like it's bullshit because there's basically a twenty dollar lefty tax. But for <laughs> me, I was probably going to get the Circle Pad Pro for Resident Evil Revelations anyway. Yeah, yeah. So to although, me, it's not an although additional. Although I think I've said cost. it on the show before, the controls in, in uh, Mercenaries aren't bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing functionally bad for it, but it's like when playing Mercenaries and playing uh, Revelations demos throughout E3 and even the one that came with Mercenaries, I I, I definitely see where it's like, if I had a second analog stick, this would be better. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like, like you know, like yeah. a world of difference. It's it's still functional without it, but it just improved with it. Yeah, you know, I, I've played a little bit of the demo, the Resident Evil, a uh, Revelations demo on from the eShop here in Japan, and uh, it it supports the Circle Pad Pro, and it's kind of weird because it's it switches it to like a dual analog setup, and it's, it's I don't know. I need to play with it a little bit more. It just feels kind of odd and feels kind of uh, okay. a little loose, like the way that you're controlling it. It's just well, it's kind of bizarre. I, I need to definitely play it a little bit more to see what's up with it. Yeah, but uh, that's that is Kid Icarus Uprising. And, there you uh, go. Circle Pad Pro. Coming out soon in North America. Danny's already like, I've had it for like a month. <laughs> yeah, losers. <laughs> Old news. Yeah. yeah um, Move on. Danny, Danny's, already, still... Danny's already reserved his uh, Circle Pad Super Pro X. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It comes with a third. Yeah, <laughs> a third. A third stick on the bottom. So. There it is. Actually, I have, 
Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I have two CirclePad Pros, so I can rock three three joysticks if I really wanted to. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the next piece of news that we have is that Crush 3D, which was originally slated for September 2011 and then was delayed until February and then was bumped up to January, and it was supposed to come out the day of this recording, January 10th. And today was the day that after a week of suspicion, because I noticed that retailers had pushed it back to March, um, I finally got a confirmation for Sega on the day that the game was supposed to come out that it is indeed not coming out today and is instead coming out in March. <laughs> um, and judging by what retailers have listed, it looks like March 6th is the likely date for Crush 3D. Well, let's now, I saw you ask Dan about let's... this on Twitter, but it, did it get... I was going to say, did it get pushed back in Europe then too? We don't know yet because okay. I've been going back and forth with uh, with Don Koopman about that, of him trying to contact people like like Sega folks in Europe. And it seems like it's actually coming out on Friday in Europe. Okay. Which just seems really weird. And also, Zoe Mode, the developer, um, this is also a, a port of a PSP game from 2007. Um, so it's not even like this is like some brand new game. But I think the developer has been done with it since the summer. Sure. Which makes it even weirder. And you mm-hmm. would think that, like, this wide open time where, like, the next <coughs> notable 3DS game you have coming out is February 7th or, you know, the week earlier in Europe, um, you got Resident Evil Revelations. And then right after that, it's an onslaught. You have Tales of the Abyss, Tekken, a uh, new Pro Evo game. You got Metal Gear Solid 3D. Um, I think there's a couple other games too. And then Resident all culminating Evil? with. I did say Resident Evil. Oh, did. Right. Okay. That's what I said first. Because that, that starts off the, the mayhem. Right. And then it all culminates with uh, Kid Icarus Uprising, in addition to all the eShop stuff coming out, too. So it's yeah, just kind of like you had this nice window and you're pushing it back. I, I don't get it. it it's make just sense. a good thing that that DSiWare pinball game is finally transferable because now <laughs> I have my pinball game on my 3DS. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to buy Zen Pinball, which is actually coming out this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that pinball game for for uh for DSiWare is, is pretty boss. Yeah, I don't think that company exists anymore. No, that sucks. They fuse games. They made Metroid Prime pinball, which is amazing. Yup, yup. Um, but Crush 3D is not a pinball game, contrary <laughs> to what Scott and Zach say. Um, it does look really cool. Like I was kind of looking forward to maybe picking this game up because it looks like it's this kind of like, you know, perspective changing platformer. Um, with the worst box art ever, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, have, are any of you guys interested in this game at all? Uh, I really don't know much about it. But, uh, not after I found out it's not a pinball game. Yeah. I'm only interested because I, now I want to know what it actually is. And like you said, that <laughs> box art is hideous, and maybe that was the delay. <laughs> maybe yeah, they finally saw it and go, oh, geez, the box what are we doing? Well, I mean, what you guys should all look up is the Japanese box art, which just makes no fucking sense. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of warnings of just like, you can crush yourself. And like, it does like how this one had like the North American one is like this kind of like cartoony art style. And the Japanese one just looks like warnings you would like see on an airplane. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, oh, speaking of uh, uh, bad box art, this is completely off topic, but I have to tell you guys because you'll all appreciate it. Um, probably not. When I was in, that's probably true. When I was in Minnesota going down to Kansas for vacation, they have like a mall in the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, and one of the stores is Minnesota Sports. And it's filled with, you know, Viking stuff. But guess what's on Grr. the front window of that of that store? 
um, uh, Madden 2000, whatever, with Dante Culpepper. A big cardboard cutout of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the biggest troll ever. It really is. <laughs> Although, yeah. although actually, with uh, I mean Minnesota and Wisconsin, <gasps> as far as I know, there's a lot of overlap with fans for both teams because they're right near each other. Oh, still. Well, it, yeah, it's the same here. I, uh, you know, I live in Indiana, and a few years ago, the Bears and the um, Colts were in the Super Bowl against each other. Oh yeah, and it I was the same thing because I I live in Northwest Indiana, which we basically consider ourselves Chicago. Like we root for all the Chicago teams. That's why we don't need a baseball team because we have two Chicago baseball teams. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was really heated, and it was the same kind of thing. You'd go to a store, and you just saw a plethora of like all the gear for both teams, and it was just kind of amazing. Yeah, same in Central Illinois too, especially during that Super Bowl. I remember they were like even had special colored cookies and stuff like that, like <laughs> orange and blue cookies, or you can get like a blue and like normal cookie colored cookies. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, nice. Um, go pack, go. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, the next story has something to do with sports, and that's that there will be no Tiger Woods game on Wii this year. That sucks. Which is just kind of like WTF. Although, yeah, because um, they've put them out on with Motion Plus on all the other years. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, this the, the last year was the third year with Motion Plus. I think 2010. Right. And, and even then, I think every year, every year there was a Wii version of the game. It's just right. they added Motion Plus. It was a it was the first Motion Plus game to come out. And weren't they weren't they all well, like weren't they all well received? They're yeah, I believe good. Danny. Oh, yeah. Danny, yeah. you reviewed you reviewed it last year, and yeah. I reviewed it. I think Zach and I did a, a team review of it yep. the year before, and then I reviewed it the year before that. Yeah. And they're great games. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going uh, actually. Uh, site founder Billy Berghammer pointed out, which I wasn't sure at the time, but apparently the Wii version of the game sold like ass last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the theory with that is kind of that people bought the first Motion Plus game and then never really bothered to buy another version of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which okay. I mean, that for the most part, that might be true because there was that fervor over the new peripheral. And it was one of the first games to use it. So, of course, you're going to have more people buying it then. And that, that first version, I know for a fact, sold very well. Mm-hmm. And probably what happened is the sales tapered off. And now you're getting to the point where, guess what? The Wii's dying. Um, yeah. It's just unfortunate because EA Sports was kind of like that last that last company that was still kind of supporting it regularly. You know, you had, you had Tiger Woods, you had Madden, you had FIFA last year. And, f- you know, for the most part, while, I mean, some people might disagree with me, but all three of those games are... Are pretty good on Wii. Yeah. What um when 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 does Tiger Woods come out on the other platforms? March thirtieth. Okay, it's kind of late, but I just wonder if we'll just see a port of it to Wii U when Wii U launches. That, that's you know? that's probably just what's going to happen using I using just, the HD engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, my thing is that I feel like I mean, at this point, what was the new one going to be if not just like an update of 2012? Because mm-hmm. I yeah. assume that's even what the uh, unless they're doing a huge major update on 316 PS3, um, which I doubt's going to happen because that's how EA Sports rolls. Um, they basically, you know, they release a, a prettied up version of the next gen version, and at some point, or of the of the past generation version, and then at some point they do a big overhaul and ride that until the next generation of systems. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it's because it's coming out in March. Like you probably could have released it then, and then released a new one on Wii U. Because let's get real here, I don't think Wii U is going to come out until at the early September. So. But maybe, but maybe It'll EA is not sure of that. Maybe maybe EA thinks it's coming out over the summer. Who knows? <laughs> I know uh, 
I guess I guess a little bit of uh, Wii U news on top of that is that uh, CES was is is going on right now, I believe. Um, and Wii U was there. Um, it's all the E3 stuff just showed again uh, in private behind closed doors. But uh, Reggie talked on Spike TV today, just kind of you know reiterating what we already know. Um, you know, talking about when to expect Wii U uh, after E3, but before the end of the year. Um, apparently, I guess uh, what is it? Jeff Keeley's on Spike TV. He uh, he asked Reggie about the possibility of a surprise launch, and Reggie's just like, "Oh, wouldn't rule out anything." <laughs> if, if they if they Saturn this, like they're screwed. Or it's like, well, actually, it's launching right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, no Tiger Woods on Wii. It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I guess also kind of going along with this, uh, that Grand Slam Tennis Two game is only coming out the 360 and PS3. But I don't even know if I'd really call that that much of a sequel because that was actually supposed to come to all three platforms when it first came out, but it just came out on Wii, and they just put the other the the ver- the 360 PS3 version on on definite hold. Mm. So yeah, that game sucked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're not missing out. Uh, the last bit of news that we got is uh, there was a kind of reveal on NeoGAF um, that people did some research on like link uh, yeah LinkedIn and stuff like that. That it seems like Retro Studios is has been staffing up over the past six months or so. Yeah. Um, and we actually did some research for our own and finding out that all these people that came over from companies just Naughty Dog, Vigil Games, Redfly Studio, um, none of them are in the credits of Donkey Kong Country Returns or uh, Mario Kart Seven. So these dudes are working on a game, and uh, you know the resourceful people on NeoGAF, I believe they found out that one of the like the guy who one of the guys who came over from Naughty Dog maybe the guy who came over from Naughty Dog, I'm not sure exactly how many people came over, uh, tweeted something about how, you know, this is going to make crunch time this year a lot better. Someone brought in, like, Mystery Science DVDs or something. <laughs> um, so crunch time would imply that Retro Studios is going to be releasing a game this year. Right. Um, which, if you look at it from Donkey Kong Country Returns releasing two years ago, that makes sense. But I guess there was some thought that maybe you know, they got kind of a little delayed from their normal schedule because uh, they were working on Mario Kart 7. But, I mean, I, I guess uh, other people might also think that Mario Kart 7 was just a small section of Retro Studios, which yeah. looks like it is yeah. the case. Right. Because if you'll yeah. remember, I believe... The whole studio doesn't need to be putting coins on those courses. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you will recall, I, I want to say this was a year ago. I'm not sure the exact time. But Retro Studios was staffing up for what appeared to be a Wii U title. Hammer. And that's probably when all these people came on board was around that time. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, Retro might have a launch game. Ravenblade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I would assume, I mean, fitting that the Retro mold, you would assume it would have to be some sort of Nintendo franchise that they're kind of reviving. I don't think Nintendo would put them on an original title, <laughs> as, as depressing as that sounds yeah. for both Retro and the world in general. But I, I think Nintendo is probably like, yeah, you guys can make a Star Fox game or something. Eternal Darkness 2. How about this? Awesome. Eternal Darkness 3. They skipped it. <laughs> oh, shit. It's a sanity effect, man. You think you already played the sanity <laughs> game. It's got like a, like, a, um, like a cover, like one of those foil covers where you, as you're tilting it, the 2 is like transforming into the 3 <laughs> and back into the 2. <laughs> yes, thank you, Zach. Um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, but before we go into listener mail, how about we just go around, kind of snap judgment 
um, what game do you think Retro Studios is making, and do you think it'll make it to Wii U, make it during Wii U launch? Let's start with Scott. Um, God, you know, I just had something in my head, and then now I just forgot it. Come back to me. Okay, Patrick. Um, my first thought was going to be F Zero, just because we haven't seen that in a while. But I really doubt that would ever happen. Um. Maybe another Donkey Kong game, but that's probably unlikely as well. I really don't know. <laughs> Zach? Uh, I think they will not have a launch title, but they are gearing up for something big. Um, and it's probably a, sadly enough, Metroid game. And I, Danny. I was, oh, go ahead. Go, no, Scott, go for it. Well, as I say, I just remembered, <laughs> I remembered it before Zach said it, but that would have cued me in. Yeah, I think it'll be Metroid Other M2, The Other M. <laughs> the other ring. Yeah, I, I think that their title. I think it'll be maybe yeah, launch title, launch window-ish type of stuff, and I think it will probably have something to do with maybe a Nintendo franchise type of thing. But as to what it would be, I'm not too sure. Maybe it's that mature Mario game that uh, Miyamoto was talking about like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. God, they, should make, right. they should make a Metroid game that takes place in the future, long after Samus is dead. And they clone her, and they get a queen embryo out of her body. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and then the queen develops, like, human characteristics and gives birth to a giant, like, half Samus, half Metroid. And then nobody will buy it. Yeah, they'll call it Metroid Resurrection. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Um, uh, I mean, I guess kind of going down the list, if, if it's going to be a... a a previous franchise. I mean, the Metroid thing's definitely probably on the right track, I would imagine, especially after how Other M kind of crashed and burned. Nintendo's probably just like, yo, you guys just got to take this shit back over. It needs help. Metroid Prime 4, Metroid Other M 2, do whatever you want. Um, But, I mean, looking down that, I mean, I, I see Star Fox as a possibility, although I feel like if you were going to make another Star Fox game, you'd give it to Q Games. Because mm-hmm. um, right. yeah, they kind of proved their worth in the past, they they know the f- series very well. Um, somehow, I don't think it. Well, I I don't think we can really rule out the possibility of it potentially being a Zelda game. Super Metroid um, Returns. Be, uh, yeah, that, I mean that would be <laughs> awesome if they do Super Metroid Returns. I'd probably just quit the site because I will have passed out out of happiness <laughs> and die. Um, but maybe they are working on a Zelda game. I mean, after Skyward Sword. Um, I believe Anuma and other people said that you won't have to wait as long for the next Zelda game. Yeah, but they're and, gonna, they're they're talking about like a handheld. They're going to be having like a 3ds. Uh, yeah, that could be. I mean, I, I think RFN was talking about this a week or two ago, and we also oh, did okay. have Miyamoto talking about how he thought that Retro Studios would be a good fit for a Zelda title. Um, it like just because there's a Wii version or there's a Wii Zelda game or a Wii U Zelda game coming out doesn't mean that there can't be a 3DS Zelda game also being made. Sure. And and they will I mean, give the I, 3DS one to somebody else. They tend not to make those with their internal teams. I mean, I, I mean, guess, I, I, I guess think Fan I Iron think Glass and the Spirit Tracks was that made by Nintendo? Yes. Yeah. Well, those A were lot of shitty. the pe- a lot of the people that worked <laughs> on Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks worked on Skyward Sword. Well, okay, they must have learned That a was lot. kind of like Zelda boot camp. <laughs> They yeah, must have exactly. learned a lot indeed. Um, but I mean, that's the thing is like, I don't see it out of the realm of possibility of seeing like Anuma kind of take that Skyward Sword team, or at least parts of it, because I imagine that some of that Skyward Sword team, I would hope, 
goes on to make other games because I think that that team was huge and I don't oh, want to yeah. see a bunch of people laid off. Um, but I could see Anuma taking a, you know, a 3DS team and kind of working on that and working on a, you know, an internally developed uh, Zelda game. And then maybe Retro Studios is currently working on, you know, that Zelda HD, like a, a, a I guess a furthered out version of that Zelda HD demo. For all we know, maybe Retro Studios made that video demo. <laughs> like, I don't think we ever actually were told who made that. I know Anuma, Anuma oversaw it, but that doesn't tell you who developed that. Can I say something kind of bitchy about Skyward Sword? What? That game would look incredible on an HD console. I believe I saw someone tweet, uh, you know, like the week after it came out, saying that Skyward Sword is the only game that are, was released in 2011 that already needs an HD remake. <laughs> it would, though. I mean, it looks yeah. beautiful already. It's just got that uh, the anti-aliasing problem. Yeah, right. But, well, uh, and and some and some loading time issues. But um, yeah, Mike and I were talking about that on Twitter like last week. Um, and yeah, I mean, just with what they were able to pull off with the Wii, like imagine what the, that team is going to be able to do when they have like real horsepower at their disposal you know as long as they don't phone it in if they really try like they did with that i mean it's going to be incredible yeah but you know what that team's working on a 3ds game because retro is probably making that zelda game bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean like i mean I, I don't even really know what other what other i guess obvious answers there are and i guess donkey kong wasn't even really that obvious because i remember ign had that rumor like a week before e3 and everyone thought it was batshit insane <laughs> Um, so, I mean, maybe Retro is working on something totally out of left field, but I could see, you know, them working on a Wii U Zelda game that's going to come out in 2013 sometime. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't really seem too far-fetched, especially with Miyamoto's little tease. Mm-hmm. It'd be pretty cool. Well, well speaking, of, speaking of left field, maybe King Griffey Jr. Major League Baseball is ah, going to get revived. Oh, my God, that would be the <laughs> shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, actually, Left Field never made that game. That was Angel Studios. Angel AKA, Studios, okay. Yeah, Angel Studios, a.k.a. Rockstar San Diego, which is crazy when you think about it. That The, the guys who made those Griffey games went on to make Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Seems almost preposterous. I think there's a pretty clear lineage Well, that there. explains yeah. the baseball <laughs> minigame in Red Dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the the one thing that makes sense to me is I'm working on a Zelda game. I'd love to see him work on a Star Fox game, but I feel like, you know, that fabled treasure or Q game Zelda or Star Fox game would be way cooler. Um, and I think that retro with their, their Western sensibilities and experience with, you know, that good solitary experience with Met- the Metroid Prime games could bring a lot to the Zelda franchise. Sure. No, I agree, but we'll see if it's actually happening. But yeah, um, that's uh, that's all we got for news. I guess uh, I'll pass it over to Scott for listener mail. Alrighty. So yeah, we got um three emails today. Um, two are actually from Pure Evil. Um, he's hogging the email light here, so <laughs> send in some email. So uh, he's not Play the only activity one. Activity at dot com. There you go. Um, he sent in a fairly long one about Zelda. So pretty cool that we were just talking about it. Nice little segue there. I'm going to trim More this a down manifesto. a little bit. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, so he had some complaints about the game. He he commented on the last episode. He was a little disappointed that when we had the Skyward Sword discussion that everyone was pretty positive about it because he was fairly negative about it. So, uh, well, he listen some... to every other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just that one. But, uh, he had some complaints about the controls, um, which, 
I don't know. It sounds like his controller's just broken more than anything. But let's talk about some of the design aspects, um, which I, I think maybe are fair to criticize. We'll see what you guys say think. So uh, here's got many of the quests you had to go on in the game were more annoying than they were fun. I also began to wonder if Nintendo took a look at uh, took a list of everything people hate in video games and tried to jam in <laughs> tried to jam them all into this one game. People really dislike escort missions. Okay, why don't we do an escort mission with the annoying robot? And I know, let's have enemies you can barely see shoot at it. Sounds great, but only if the robot whines the whole time. Uh, see, I mean, uh, I guess are we going to do this all at once, just one by one? No, go ahead. If you want to comment on, on, on that I, aspect. I've gotten to that I mean, part yet. My thing with that is that, is it a little annoying? Yeah, but I feel like there are steps done to make that staple escort mission. Because I don't think you can really shit on one game for having an escort mission when so many games have it, and they're usually a much bigger part of it. Hello, second half of RE4. Like, <laughs> hey, RE4 did it right, man. No, no, I mean, RE4 did a good job, but there's still escort missions, and they're still kind of annoying. And that's why I would also say that in this game, it's not done terribly. Because in this case, um, sorry for spoilers, Zach. I'll try to skirt around it as best care. I can. Um, <laughs> but in this case, you know, this robot's following you, and the robot is defenseless, and you have to go through the like the, the lava area and basically climb up an area that you've already gone through before. Um, but along the way, there's different enemies, and yes, you might not be able to see the enemies, but whenever you start off, start start up, and I believe there are checkpoints throughout this entire this entire you know this this mission that you go through. Where there are you not lead checkpoints. The robot. No. Oh, there are not. No, because okay. I lost pretty high up on the mountain. it's it's been a while it's, it's been a while since i've done that so i so i don't remember fully already but hate it all of the enemies <laughs> that you kill all of the enemies that you kill when you start over they're already dead yeah that, that's true Did they give you an extra and that's 10 seconds yeah um but i mean like that that's the thing is that like once once that happens it becomes a little less frustrating because if you do have to restart it because some guy was out, at, you know, out of left field, then when you get back up there, you'll know where the guy is. You can kill him, and then he's done for good. Mm. And that's why, like, that was a little frustrating. But once, I mean, I feel like once you kind of know that, then you know that, like, all right, so the robot's probably gonna die, but not without me killing this guy first. And that way, I can just kind of march through everything prior and just get closer to the end. Yeah. Still frustrating, but I don't think it's really that frustrating in the end. Can't wait. <laughs> you can't wait to get to the annoying escort mission. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like what they were trying to do was just, I guess, try to kind of do something different. You know, I, I I think they were responding to a lot of complaints that Zelda games were just all the same formula. So I thought, well, let's have a segment that's kind of unlike something we've done before. And I think it is. Now, whether or not it is executed uh, to perfection, I guess, is up for debate. But I, I think I appreciate in in that specific example that they tried to do something different so the funny thing with that is that in that same region the the uh, the fire region uh whatever it is elden volcano or whatever yeah um they also have a, a really cool stealth section in my opinion yes oh God, that it is stealth. it is that kind of thing but it's once again it's Killing it's done in a way for this game it's <laughs> done in a way that compared to stealth section in prior zelda games it is much improved yeah, that one has checkpoints. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. it's pretty cool, and it's not—it's not like just a straight stealth game. I mean, it's basically just like a big puzzle. You know, you just have to think of it yeah. that way, and like you just have to—you're plotting your course through this area as you're well as you're doing what you do. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it, yeah. it's very good. But I mean, and, and you think about that—that that you have this one, and then this is part of the reason why I really love the design of Skyward Sword—is that you have this one area 
and there's an escort mission that you use the same part of it. There's through that same area, you're doing a stealth section through that same area. You're just exploring it early on. Like I really enjoy that, like that, that dichotomy that they do throughout the game. And I know some people didn't, they hated repeating areas, but for me, it really worked because I really learned those areas and I, you know, new, new sections kind of open up over time or a better way to do things. Right. I mean, it's sort of, <laughs> it sort of borrows a little bit from like Metroid philosophy with, you know, just sort of having you retread areas, but once you have new gear, it lets you get to new places you couldn't before. But yeah, I don't know. I, I grew kind of weary of going back to the same places three times, you know, each, um, by the end of the game, but it, it wasn't that no. bad. It was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, you'll see. I mean, I, I don't mean to kind of jump on you here, Scott, but it's like, in the desert area, you're not going to the same place three times. You are going to three separate areas each the, time. The desert, yes. And the desert, I loved the desert. To me, the desert is the exception. Yeah. The desert was really well executed, specifically the second dungeon in the desert, which I won't spoil for Zach because yes. it's so friggin' awesome. But the, the desert was great. But, like, the volcano specifically, I mean, you just mentioned it. You retread the, air, the same area three times, you know. The, but you're doing the, such drastically different, different things. It, it's true. It's, it's true. I mean, I don't know. You know, they worked with what they had. I mean, I guess what's the difference between this and then just making a new area that you're doing this stuff yeah. in? You know, it, it's, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of nitpicking. But let's, well, let's return to, I yeah, let's, let's, about this game anymore. let's, let's return to the email. <laughs> so then he, um, he complains a little bit, a little bit about the flying. Um, he says that the speed tunnels are, are kind of too far apart and, um, you know, it's hard to get in them in the first place. And then, you know, if you miss it, I guess you're just spending a lot of time, you know, flying, and the flying is kind of boring because there's not much to do. Um, what do you guys think about that? I, I kind I, of I can't even defend that. Yeah, you know, the flying there's not really too much to do. Right, it's kind of kind of annoying. I mean, I don't know that it's much different than riding, you know, your horse through a barren field in Ocarina, or you know, just just traveling the <laughs> or empty Twilight Princess. Yeah, or, or the empty season one way. The empty seas. Yeah, it, it's kind of a problem they have. They need to figure out a better way to kind of connect. Uh, At least you, you had things you could do on the ocean. Well, yeah, and even in Twilight Prin- even in Twilight Princess, you could find, like, a crack in a wall to blow up and then go find a heart piece or something. You know, at least there was kind of exploration. But with the uh, with the sky, there, you, there's no even reason to f- land on the small little islands to find heart pieces because the only way to get them is to send up the goddess cubes, and then it tells you on your map when you there's a tre- chest there you can get. So there's okay, no... There's only there's, like four islands that yeah, you Yeah, there's no exploration in the sky. So I think that's a, a very valid complaint. And it, it didn't detract from the game because I enjoyed the aspects when I wasn't flying, but I sure surely would could have lived without flying. You know, if I could just warp to everywhere I was going, I would have been very happy. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Uh, then he mentions the loading times, which I kind of hinted to a little earlier. Um, you know, he says it takes him out of the game every time the screen fades to black for two seconds while he, like, lands on, uh, um, what the heck, why does the, uh, Skyloft, thank you. Um, and how when you do that, it even, like, resets where you're landing, which I did find this very kind of annoying, where, you know, you might Yeah, because I would be going to a specific area, and just be like, too bad, you're in front of the building. Yeah, it just, it just... (laughs) Puts you where it wants during that loading time. Um, mm-hmm. And I do agree with this. And it just, it does kill the momentum a little bit, especially when you're on Skyloft and you're ready to go off an adventure and you know, you run and you, you jump off the, the ledge and you call your bird and then he picks you up and then black and loading, you know, it just mm-hmm. been so great if it was so seamless. And they were able to do it with the other tiny islands throughout the sky. 
because obviously those, there's nothing on them. But uh, yeah, Skyloft yeah. just has to load. And, I mean, you know, they had to do what they had to do. I, I don't blame mm-hmm. them. I mean, the, the, there's limitations with the Wii, but I, sure. I do I do what? get his point. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I've only played probably like 45 minutes of Skyward Sword. I just haven't had a lot of time to play it. But I was watching one of my friends. She came over and she was playing one day for like five or six hours or something. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I saw the same thing where it's like, hey, she was like, hey, let's go up to this specific part in Skyloft. And, you know, get off the bird, and all of a sudden it's reset you at a completely, well, not a completely different place, but, you know, just not exactly where you would assume you would be. Yeah. yeah it's kind of, right. I don't know, kind of weird. But, you know, like, like I said, I mean, there's just limitations with the hardware, and there's just really, you know, not too much that they can do, I guess. You know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no. I agree. Um. All right, I, I think I'm kind of done, done with this email here. Um, there's just a little more complaints, you know, a little bit about the characters in the game, which we kind of talked about. <laughs> there's not very many on Skyloft. Um, yeah. What else? Yeah. Um, I, I, I hating on Fi, which people... Fi sucks. Yeah, she does suck. I, I, I That was one of my most, like, popular tweets I tweeted out, <laughs> like, a few weeks ago when I got the second, well... Sort of spoiler. It doesn't really matter. You, you obviously your sword gets upgraded as you're playing. <gasps> you're, you're. <laughs> I am leaving this. Uh, the, the second, uh, the second upgrade. It lets you. <laughs> it lets you douse for more targets. And so I tweeted oh, that. I, uh, that. I, I tweeted like uh, like oh great. It, like I tweeted a quote from Fee saying like now with your second upgrade you can uh, douse for more uh, objects and talk to me Fee more often. And then I just. <laughs> For me, just say no and just fill up the tweet with, with zero with O's until I ran out of characters, and that got retweeted a lot. So I think that's a shared sentiment between everyone that fee yeah. or fi, however you want to say it, she sucks. When like it was just it's it's when, it's kind of funny because if she just talked less, she would be more annoying or she would be less annoying. Because yeah. I think there is some like a decent character there, but it's just like. You have a sixty-six percent chance of surviving. <laughs> like or, I am seventy percent sure that we have to go this way. It's like, well, no shit. The person told us to go that way. Yeah, I, I, I thought. Go ahead, go ahead, Danny. I was like, what does she think she is? C three PO? Seriously. And when she's and when when I got that, I am first... fi human cyborg relations. <laughs> when I when I got through that first dungeon and found the rock or whatever it is, the tablet, she started doing that creepy ass dance. Yeah, oh, dude, it's better. I was like, what are you doing right now? She's just a freak nasty. Yeah, she starts dancing <laughs> and singing, just do wait. Um, I didn't mind the dancing, because it was kind of cinematic. I like that and stuff, but yeah, I just hate when she would just pop it's up humorous. randomly and tell you stuff you didn't need to know. And even, even the percentiles I found kind of funny in the beginning, but yeah, it just gets to be too much, and she's just so yeah. intrusive. I mean, she really does yep. tell you stuff you don't need to know, or stuff someone else just told you, or anything else but oh by the way uh you need to refill your hearts your health is getting dangerously low i know yeah the, the thing is beeping at me your batteries are low your batteries are low that was the worst yeah wait till you get that one zach <laughs> but um yeah so i don't know i feel like i feel like pure evil here i think if he had had a better handle on the controls um i, I really don't know why he, he struggled so much with it i'd, I'd almost like to see him play the game and know what's going on, but I feel like he wouldn't mind these sort of small annoyances, but I think with already struggling with the sword play and the combat and everything else, and then on top of that, all these sort of little gripes, I think that's what's kind of added up for him, because I agree with a lot of a lot of stuff he pointed out, um, and I do wonder if I reviewed the game if I would have end, ended up giving it a 10 like you did, Neil. It, it's so hard because I, I loved it, but there were just a lot of little 
things, but I, I don't know. But I mean, makes, yeah, I mean, it definitely. I, I went back and forth on giving it a ten or not, and he also does make a comment later uh, at the end of it, um, talking about how you know. I've noticed a trend where reviewers give high scores to certain franchises no matter what, and I wonder why it is. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas got a lot of 10s that it did not deserve. It was a good game, but nowhere near perfect. This is the same way. Spirit Tracks is the only thing keeping this from the bottom of my list. And the thing where I disagree with that is that uh, a 10 does not mean a perfect game. Mm-hmm. What? And I think that's something that people get confused about, <laughs> right. is that a 10 out of 10... At least by our review standards, I mean there there are other similarities, but on the whole, or there are other dissimilarities amongst review things. But on the whole, a ten out of ten does not mean a perfect game. It means an excellent game, a fantastic right. game, a game you must play, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. But it's, I mean, there is no perfect game. Right. There are games that get close to perfection, but there is no perfect game. And I, I do um, feel Super that Mario I do... 3D Land, <laughs> yeah, is a to bring great it, game to bring it back. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, well, let's move on to the next email from our, from our good friend, Kentucky, Tim. Um, oh, we lost Zach, but hopefully he'll reconnect here. Um, Neil, you kind of already responded to this one when he emailed it. You just laughed maniacally. Um, the email says, with Sony announcing that PSP and Vita games will be downloadable on the Vita console, sans the expensive memory sticks, do you think that Nintendo could eventually offer both DS and 3DS games on the eShop for cheaper than their retail versions? When Nintendo offering SD cards as a storage option rather than the proprietary memory sticks of Sony, could the DS games get a boost in sales if you could store them on an SD card? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was just laughing maniacally, and I, <laughs> I stand by that um, because I don't think there's any chance at hell that we will be able to download DS and or 3DS games on the eShop as it stands right now. Perhaps in, in a, a much improved later revision of the 3DS or even in the system's eventual successor, that, that's probably going to happen. But as it stands right now, um, I don't think we'll ever see current 3DS retail games being able to be downloaded. No. Um, and I think the odds of seeing DS games like that as well is very slim, especially like in the next year or two. Yeah, it would take some time. 3DS games, no, like never. <laughs> I really don't think so. Um, after we get the GBA games and some DS games start phasing out because everything goes to 3DS, I mean, maybe, maybe you'll get sort of like classic uh, DS games available. You know, New Super Mario Brothers or you know some first party games like that. Um, I wouldn't say the full DS library will be available for download, but I, in a couple of years, I could see it happening. Some DS games yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Tetris would be nice since that disappeared very quickly. Yep. You already have Tetris. You can get Tetris, I believe, three different ways on the 3DS right now. Yeah, but Tetris DS <laughs> is Tetris so good. Tetris DS is the best one. It is. So, yeah, it's that's wishful thinking for sure. Um, I, I'll settle for some more Nintendo or uh, NES and uh, GBA games. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love yep. to be able to play... The other console games on the 3DS, like Super Nintendo games and stuff. Yeah. That'd be mm-hmm. so great. Some of those games would be so perfect for portable handhelds, you know, especially, I don't know, games like Chrono Trigger and any of the RPGs, Demon's really. Crest. Well, you can get the DS version of Chrono Trigger. Well, that's true. That's true. But it's retranslated and stuff, and yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So, okay. So, no. <laughs> Kentucky Tim. <laughs> Answer your question. No. Um, then the, the last, uh, mail here from Pure Evil again. 
After my five-year-old son received Skylanders for Christmas, I noticed how fun and insanely popular the game is. I was thinking, why did Nintendo not come up with this idea? Do you think a similar game using Nintendo characters would sell? I was thinking it would be a great fit for Smash Brothers or a Mario Kart game. Instead of unlocking carts or characters, you could buy them and build up build them up to your style, then bring them to a friend's house. Nintendo could even do special characters as giveaways or Club Nintendo exclusives. What are your thoughts? I'm surprised they don't do this for Pokemon, honestly. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. There'd be so Especially, <laughs> y- yeah, can you imagine that? Oh, jeez. I wonder what the success of Skylanders, though, if Nintendo doesn't kind of look at this and think about it, at least in passing, you know. You'd have to think someone internally is is hip to what's going on with Skylanders and is yeah. at least tossing it around. I, I don't know that we'd ever see it, but I don't know. I mean, you do see a lot of Pokemon toys already. It'd be marrying the two. Yeah. Oh, slap a microchip on the bottom of them yeah i can especially see it with like uh say a new pokemon game that introduces another like new 150 but if you want to get the classics in there like you buy the toys and put them in there you know yeah i mean i think it, it would go against nintendo's rule of i mean why they're reticent with dlc in the first place is that like you know when you buy the game you should have the game right mm-hmm. which is i mean i which definitely I appreciate. like yeah, which I, I, I a little bit agree to disagree with Skylanders because on one hand, yeah, it is a little shitty, but on the other hand, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially being a kid, you know, like, yeah, sure, being parents and adults and having to buy these fucking toys, you know, tons of them, we hate it. But a kid who has no concept of money, like collecting toys that you can play in your video game, like, that's got to be the greatest thing ever. I would have loved that as a kid. I mean, Dude, playing I po- love it and I'm 23 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so i don't know i i but i agree with you neil like it does seem against nintendo's philosophy so i don't know i don't know but hey we're getting dlc it. with that new fire emblem game yeah that's true that's you know it, it's actually it's not too unlike the uh the e-reader yeah. you know you, you didn't buy characters but you were certainly buying packs of cards to put like new levels into you know mario whatever advance you know super mario brothers 3 and things like that. So it's did like anyone here ever have an e-reader? No. no, I always wanted one, but I was I mean, it's like what, like forty bucks or something, and yeah, I could just yeah, never, yeah, just get myself it, right? to. Yeah, I, I, think like, I saw one in a store one time, but I, I don't think I've ever actually seen like a, a real one. I, w- I wish I would have <laughs> bought one when they were like on clearance when the like yeah. the GBA was dying, and then bought a bunch of cards and stuff then, but. I'm certainly not going to go back and buy one now, and yeah, I didn't at the time when it was new because it was very expensive. But yep. yeah, so I guess that's well, true. If you think about it that way, they have sort of looked into technology like that. So yeah. who knows? Maybe they'll go back to it. So I don't know. There was a while yeah. there where the Pokemon trading card game supported the e-reader. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's when I stopped. Buying Pokemon cards. <laughs> you drew the line. Yep, that was my line. There it was. And you would not cross it. So yeah, that'll do it for listener mail. Uh, Zach, do you want to pimp your uh, your podcast? Yes, I do. Uh, I just started a podcast that is a complete ripoff of the Fanboys Lunchcast. Um, although it is a dinner cast, <laughs> completely different meal, and uh, <laughs> it's just me and three friends. Uh, we just put up the first episode at crosstalk.com um you know since carl wouldn't have me on any of his shows i just decided to have my own show Um, (laughs) that dick right (laughs) um but it it's 
it's fun. It's the first episode's two hours because we stitched two episodes together um, because I was gone for Christmas. But uh, yeah, it's about our top ten movies of all time, and you may disagree with some choices. But now, do you eat dinner while you're recording? Yes. Do you? I was eating. Sushi. What'd you eat? I oh, ate well oh, nice. for episode two. I ate sushi for episode one. I think I ate chicken strips. Hey, cool. Yeah, and you guys, you guys, rec- <laughs> you guys record this all in person, right? Yeah, we just I have a, a digital recorder like one yeah, you use in college. I just okay. press record and put it in a cup so that the microphone's facing up, and we just. <laughs> okay. Yeah, eventually you should get like a nice, a nice like little four track recorder or something, and everyone could have their own little mic. But uh, there, there's a, pretty a very good setup. nice argument about whether or not. In the thin red line, Sean Penn should have given all the morphine to that dying guy or not. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that was a bad move. These are philosophical debates. I yep. think, uh, I think too, with each episode, you should include what you guys ate so someone could make what you guys ate and eat it like along with you while they listen. To exactly. <laughs> have the same exact experience. I already do that to Zach every day. Yeah. Like, I know <laughs> what he's eating for dinner using the camera I put in his house. There you go. <laughs> every time you're Where? sitting down to eat dinner with Where's your wife, Zach, like, <laughs> Neil's eating the same oh. thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> How much do That's you see, Neil? <laughs> Oh Zach, I've he, seen I've seen more than the figures you keep. Yeah, he sees that other thing you do with your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, we've come a, full circle. That's a callback. Um, yeah, send in listener mail and stuff like that um, to uh, connectivity and Nintendo. Masturbate. The joke is I would masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Connectivity Hockey Night. Uh, I am Scott Thompson. I'm joined by J.P. Corbin. Hello. Hello, hello. Uh, this is something we've kind of been talking about for a little while, and uh, we finally got the time to get together and uh, talk a little hockey. Um, we're, today we're going to be talking about the uh, recent refusal of the new realignment plan uh, by the NHLPA, the Players Association. And then uh, after that, we're also going to be breaking down uh, 24-7 uh, which just recently followed the Rangers and the Flyers leading up to the Winter Classic, and it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, it was really good. So, um, yeah, let, let's start with the uh, the realignment then. 
So this yeah. this was pretty drastic, and I kind of didn't expect it. Like when the owners all had their meetings, I kind of thought it was just going to be Winnipeg would move west where they should be, and then a, yeah. like one team would move east, either like the Blue Jackets or the Red Wings or something. Yeah, and then that was going to be it. But yeah, I mean, you, you get this whole thing, four conferences, you split it up, you know. It was a crazy plan, you know, you, had, you took, you know, right now there are two conferences of 15 teams. This would split it into four conferences, two seven and two eight team conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was generally designed to reduce travel time because a lot of the teams in what is now the Western Conference have a lot of travel uh, you know, because you have, you you know, the Western Conference is stretched out all the way from, like, Columbus to the West Coast. Right, like Columbus all the way to Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, or to, you know, Los Angeles. I mean, you get, you yeah. know, it's, so it's like they got a lot of ground to cover. And so they were trying to reduce the travel time and kind of even it out for everybody in the league. And I, you know, I was hesitant at first. I didn't really get it, but the more I looked at it, I, I really liked the plan. I, I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah, same here. And the fact that they were like ready to roll it like out for next year had me really excited. Um, yeah, it's like I think what was it, twenty-seven of the teams or something. Like almost all the teams, the owners agreed on, were on board. Yep, it was almost yeah universally voted in. Um, and yeah, it, it would have been interesting too because it would have made like conference play so much more important because you had to basically you had to be the best in you know one of the best in your conference to well, make it to the playoffs. Like, the top four in a conference made the playoffs, I think, under the system. And they hadn't finalized the playoff procedures yet. They didn't quite know what they were doing there. Right. But, yeah, it was the top four teams in the conference. You still have, I mean, it's like it is now. You'd have half, half of each conference making the playoffs. Right. But what was great is your wins in conference were much more important because you played the conference much more. You know, with this, this new uh, plan, you would play teams outside of your conference Twice you play once at their home and then once at your home and that Which was is, it. I think I mean that's that's a great part of it too because a lot of the time like now teams in the other conference you might only play them once so you might not get like if you're looking at home games you might not get to see every other team. Right. Uh, and, so it, you know it, it balances it out that way and then you get to play everybody but you you also have a lot more focus on the teams in your own conference. Right. And it is it, it was much better. I mean speaking as like a Hawks fan, the Blackhawks only play most of the original six teams once every season. I mean because most of them are on the east now so they play Detroit, you know, six times a season but outside of that they played Toronto once and Boston once and Montreal once and you know the Rangers once and so on. So it just would have been cool to be able to see uh, those teams twice. You know, yeah, it just, it, I was really looking forward to it. Um, yeah. it's like as a as a Flyers fan, most of our like traditional rivalries are already in the division, right? You know, so you'd be fine. Pittsburgh and the Rangers and the Devils and all that. But you know, we had. I mean, having the having the Capitals in the conference would be nice. You know, I mean, like NBC must love that. Sure, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, you know, I saw that the joke at the time was that the, the conference that the, the Flyers and the Penguins and the Rangers and the Capitals was called the NBC Winter Classic presented by Brinstone Tires. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like, so. Every, every Sunday after New Year's, like those, one of those two teams would be the, uh, yeah, the, the like, Sunday afternoon game that they highlight, yeah, you know. It's, it's, you know, they gotta go for it. You get the big market teams, yep. the popular teams, but, yep. uh, but, um, yeah, so the Players Association, uh, just announced, I guess it was like one night last week, just kind of announced that they had refused it. Friday? Yeah, it's, yeah, just a few days ago that they had, uh, refused the plan. 
Um, I guess it turned out that they had wanted the NHL to provide them with some, you know, like a temporary schedule that would show how travel I, would work. It, it seems like kind of a bullshit excuse. I think, I mean, I think it's so like too. It, this is this is pretty clear that this is the beginning of the war over the collective bargaining agreement that's going to expire at the end of this season. This is the players' union rejected this so that they'd have something to give in on in the negotiations in the off season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I I totally agree with you. I mean, because really, like. The whole plan, I mean, just looking at it, you can tell it's designed to make travel easier on players. So the yeah, fact that they couldn't provide you with, like, a detailed schedule to this point, it, I mean, that's that's what you're going to stand on. That's what you're going to cite as your reason for refusing it. I mean, keeping the current plan is is kind of terrible for, for a yeah. lot of teams, especially, like you said, JP, on the West. Um, <laughs> Winnipeg, especially. Well, yeah, Winnipeg. I mean, yeah, so that's like a clusterfuck right now. So they're going to have to stay in the Southeast oh, Division, it, it, even the though... Nice things- the great thing is, though, I, I like a lot of people are pulling for it. Either it gives Winnipeg one more year to be able to have forever a Southeast Division champion banner hanging in the rafters oh, of Winnipeg. Man, yeah, how awesome would that actually be? <laughs> that would be so just stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But yeah, I mean, so they're playing in the Southeast Division, which is like dominated by Florida teams. And- yes, Tampa Bay and Florida who play Miami and. Uh, Washington and Carolina. Yeah, exactly. So. Meanwhile, they they are located in Winnipeg, which is like in Western Canada. Yeah. So, so it just you doesn't... play you play what three games? You play three games at those teams. So you yep. get you get twelve times traveling to the southeast, of, all the way across the continent. Yep. So it, it sucks for them. It really does. Yeah, it, what, that's kind of the biggest joke I think out of the whole thing that that the uh, Players Association would cite travel differences, and then there's Winnipeg. Like, well, I guess we're stuck <laughs> traveling across uh, two countries a bunch yeah. of times a year now. But, yeah. yeah. But I, I do, do agree with you, JP. I think this is the uh, the first sign that this bargaining over the, the CBA is going to be uh, very, very uh, volatile, I think. And it's going to be It worries me. I mean, really, the, the league... I mean, I, I, at the time, last for anyone who isn't aware, the league missed a whole season because of a, of a labor dispute, a lockout. You know, what was it, 2005? Uh, so they missed a whole season, and, and everybody thought that was going to be a disaster for the league. But shockingly enough, they've really bounced back mm-hmm. since then. Uh, I mean, they instituted a whole lot of major changes in the way the game is, and I think most of them, probably with the exception of shootouts, have improved <laughs> the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, they they sped it up. They've more, you know, like a faster game, a higher scoring game. Has really been good for the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, you know, the removal of the the two line pass and the. Uh, you know, even the even the trapezoids in the corner, which can be dangerous on icing plays, you know, but they do prevent goalies from just going back there and chipping the puck all the way back down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sped up the game, and, and, and it's like and the league has. I mean, it's more popular. I mean, it's they've said that last year's Stanley Cup Finals were the most watched in the history of the sport mm-hmm. in America. So it's like, and that's we the Canadian team in the finals. Right. So exactly. it, it shows that the sport is growing in popularity, and that would be shot to hell if they have another lockout, that they miss a lot of time again. Yeah. I mean, that that would be disastrous for the league. I, I really hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, I got to think that everyone realizes the growth that the that the league has made in such a short amount of time and will do everything they can to prevent that. Now, do I think this will write up right to about the time the season starts next year? Yeah, probably, because, you know, everyone wants their money. Um, But, yeah, I, I would 
hate to see it cut into the season at all. Let alone, I mean, you cancel a whole season again. That would be we've had that would be we've crazy. seen this in, in the other sports as well recently. I mean, the NBA missed time because of a lockout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL had a lockout. They didn't end up missing any time, but there was a very highly publicized lockout. They yep. missed most of the off season. Yeah. Whereas baseball, yeah, just, baseball, baseball actually they their CBA expired and it kind of they fixed it. They you didn't really hear much of anything. I was just gonna just say ba- going. baseball was the only one that was just like, no, we're cool guys. Like we just we just signed a new document. We're fine. No, uh, we didn't fight at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, so we're hopefully good. hopefully hockey's more like that. Yeah, you know? I would hope. Or at so. least or at least the NFL. Don't miss any time. Don't cause too much trouble. But get it done. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I guess we'll move on to the. 24-7 in the Winter Classic. Yes, yeah, very uh, very exciting. So first of all, JP, how uh, excited were you uh, when they announced that the Flyers were going to get the Winter Classic again? Well, I thought it was cool. I mean, like you said, again, this is the second time the Flyers have done it. In what, three And this, this pisses me off. This this is the this was the fifth Winter Classic. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, yeah, it was two years ago that the Flyers were in it. They played... Um, Boston. Boston. Uh and then, and then this that, that was in Boston at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. And this year, it's at uh, it was in Philadelphia against the Rangers. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, people people complain about that because the, the Flyers the Flyers have been in it twice, and the Penguins have been in it twice. Right, so, and it's know. just this whole total, yeah, like Eastern uh, Conference love fest. But I mean, I understand, you know, the the teams on the far west, anyway. You know, the Canadian or the um, California teams and stuff. It's not like they could exactly host it, and there's no real rivalry with any teams that are in cold areas that could host it. So they're kind of well, blocked you had out. It, it was, what, a few years ago, it was Chicago and Detroit, yes, right? Yes, which was awesome. Um, actually, I've been hearing lately the rumor for next year is that it's going to be Detroit and Toronto. Yes, that's what I've been hearing as well, um, uh, which, which is, is kind of I mean, surprising. I wouldn't have expected them to put a Canadian like, team in the game. Yeah, precisely, yeah, because <laughs> as we all know, NBC shows the game, but they don't get any of the marketing dollars that, you know, that the I guess Canadian, come from yeah, Canadian viewers. NBC only, and NBC only gets the money from the American exactly. viewers, and so, yeah. so they, it, that's why you see teams like Philadelphia in there because they bring in the ratings. Yep. So putting a Canadian team in there is is an interesting decision. Right, they lose like one whole market basically. So it is right. kind of interesting, but it, it seems more geared towards uh, the fans, which is nice to see. It's good, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what you want to see. Right. Although it is kind of interesting. I mean, I know it's an original six matchup, but this is the same thing where, you know, the Wings are in the West and the Leafs are in the East, so they only play each other once a year. So it's not really a rivalry, um, per se, which, the you know, has been, like, the crux of the last few Winter Classics. Probably all since, right. I guess, the, the very first one, which I don't know, yeah. maybe you Buffalo, know. Buffalo-Pittsburgh. I mean, is there I, much of a rivalry there? I No, not really. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I live in Erie, Pennsylvania, so I'm about halfway between Buffalo and Pittsburgh, and I'll say that there isn't really anything there. Yeah, I didn't think so. So that one was kind of weird. But uh, ever since that one, I mean, Detroit-Chicago... Uh, Philly, Boston, what, Penguins and Capitals, and then, yeah, and then the Flyers and Flyers the uh, Rangers. And Rangers again, yeah, so. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, we'll see if that is actually what happens, and so, yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's always a great game. I mean, it's, it's in a great atmosphere for a game. Yeah, definitely. So that'll be, uh, that'll be very cool. But, uh, the 24-7, I hope they, I, I really, to, to segue there, I hope they do that again next year, because it was a really fascinating series, I thought. Yeah, it really was. Now, I never watched the, I didn't watch the first season. Um, I don't know if you did, JP. I guess I just, I was kind of like, that was my form of like revolt because I was so mad that the Penguins were getting it again and that it was this 
Stupid. I didn't even realize they did it last year. They did, so, yeah. I'd like to go okay. back now and watch it since I've watched yeah, this one. Yeah, like this, this, this was really, this was really cool. But I was just so mad that the Penguins got it again, and it was that stupid Ovechkin-Crosby rivalry that just means nothing to me, and I don't even think is like that much of a rivalry for the teams. It doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't know, but especially with Crosby not even playing, <laughs> not now, yeah. Cheap shot, yeah. yeah. Come on, I hate the Penguins. Of course I do. Flyers fan here. So I'm going to take lots of cheap shots at the Penguins. There you go. But um, I guess if you're listening to this and you don't know 24-7, which I'd be surprised if that was the case if you made it this 13 minutes into this so far. But um, yeah. yeah, so 24-7, it's an HBO show. Um, basically, for four weeks leading up to the Winter Classic, camera crews follow both the teams that are competing in it. So the Rangers and the Flyers this year. Uh, it's kind of like sort of unprecedented access to... Kind oh, of the behind-the-scenes. You saw, like, everything. Yeah. I mean, you saw in the locker room before game, after game, between, between periods, periods, even. Yeah. Coaches' meetings saw, before a game. Yeah, coaches' meetings. Yeah. You saw, um, like, even sometimes, like, in the players' hotel rooms in their homes. Yep. You know, so you, you saw everything. Not really. to mention that the players were all mic'd up um, during oh, the games. Yeah. You got to hear all the stuff that they're saying to each other It, on the it had to be on HBO. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because... It, there would be a whole lot of bleeping yeah. going on if if it were on any other channel. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> easily. It, it could not exist on basic cable. Um, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and so it was just really fascinating. Uh, JP, I'd imagine you especially liked it. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Flyers or the Rangers, so I kind of came into it from an outsider's perspective. But yeah, being a fan I mean, of one of those teams, it has to be wonderful, I would think. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a really cool thing to be able to see behind the scenes with the Flyers, you know, to see, like, all the stuff going on, you know, to, to get to, know, you know, seemingly get to know some of the players better, their personalities and all that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I'm, I'm familiar with some of them with their, at least to the antics on Twitter and whatnot, but, I mean, to really get into their lives like that, it's a fascinating look. Right. And, and to get their voice, you know, and really get their personality yes. like that. Well, no more personality, I think, at least on the flyer side, <laughs> than uh, Ilya Brzezgalov, the yeah, who, recent free agent signing goalie who... Who quickly became the star of the show. Oh, yeah. He uh, he was entertaining. I mean, like I said at the time, I wish he were as entertaining on the ice as he is in that show. <laughs> because he is struggling recently. He really I mean, is. But, yeah. Another bad game but, uh, last night against Ottawa, right? Last night, he was bad. Yeah, they had a 4-2 to two lead against Ottawa. In and the they, third, yeah. Yeah, in the third, and they blew that. And then the previous night, the previous afternoon, which was also against Ottawa, they had a home-and-home. Home. He looked really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played great in that game. He gave up two goals, and he made some huge saves. Right. Uh, but then yesterday, I mean... You have to question putting him in two days in a row. Sure. I mean, e- even if you're not struggling, that's kind of a, do you really want to do that from a coaching perspective? Right. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like, like you know, they touched on in the show when they, they, they didn't start Brzezgala for the Winter Classic. They started Bobrovsky in the Winter Classic, and to me, like, that was the right decision to make from a hockey point of view. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Bobrovsky has been playing really well lately. I mean, Bobrovsky's, you know... Generally in hockey, if you're giving up about two goals a game over the long haul as a goalie, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, that's like the that's the benchmark. That's what you want. Yeah, and, and that's really what Bobrovsky's been doing in his last four games. He's given up eight goals. I mean, he's he's been playing really well lately. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, sometimes I feel like they're just trying. They're paying Briscoll so much money. They gave Briscoll a ridiculous, you know, huge millions and millions of dollars over ten years contract in the off season. 
And so I think they're just hesitant to give up on him or to, to, to sit him too much. But really, Bobrovsky's the hot hand right now, and you've yeah. got to keep playing him. Yeah, it, it definitely seems that way. But I, I think I'll splice the clip in here. But yeah, Brzezgalov's, I mean, just whole speech about the universe, like right from the get-go. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Right now, is I'm very into to the universe, you know, like how it was created, you know, like what is it, you know, the solar system is so humongous big, right? But... If you see that, like, our solar system and our galaxy and, like, on the side, you know, like, it was so small, you couldn't even see it. Our galaxy is, like, huge. But if you see the big picture, our galaxy is, like, small, tiny, like, dot in the universe, like, and you think, like, and we have some problems here on the Earth we worry about compared to, like, nothing. Just be happy. Don't worry, be happy, right? It was just incredible. I mean, he was just, the things he was saying, I mean, it was just, I, I couldn't, it was fascinating. I mean, to say and, the least. And what he, was it, who is, what, what was it illegal to shoot in Russia? Tigers. He's, tigers. Someone, yes, someone brought him like a Russian bottle of booze and asked him like to, to like <laughs> decipher what it was. So he yes, did, but there, then there he was, goes on this whole spiel about the tiger because there's a picture there's of a tiger, tiger on it. Tiger on the cover and on, on the bottle and he said if you showed the tiger in Russia, you get the death penalty. Yeah, yeah. The, and he goes on about this and he's just... Now, like, I think, I mean, and he got less so in the later episodes. I, I think, think partially, he, partially because he was a bit self-conscious yeah, about yeah, how exactly. he was portrayed on the show, and partially because he was really slumping big time around that yeah, time. Yeah, so he wasn't prone. He wasn't in the so mood to go around. Yeah, exactly. But that that second episode, because that was the first episode, the second episode, which they start filming immediately, like the next day after the first episode airs, which is so yeah. cool. And, and, and his teammates, it's like at breakfast the next morning, <laughs> the teammates are ragging him about, yeah, they're calling about him Mr. Universe. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, they won't well. sit by him. They leave him alone at his table. <laughs> Uh, to eat lunch. Yeah. And then, really, he goes, yeah. and then he goes on this whole rant again about how, uh, like, his dog is, like, a beautiful blonde woman and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, really, and, he uh, was, really, the, 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 at least the first two episodes of the series you have to watch just to see what Brzezgalov says. Yeah, he really does, I mean, he really does mm-hmm. rein himself in, unfortunately, and I think you're right. I think due to his struggles and probably his sudden popularity. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, th- I think the popularity, I mean, if it were all about the popularity, he wouldn't have been as entertaining as he was in the second episode. Right. Uh, so I think, I think, uh, I think part, it's just, he really has not been playing well lately. But even, even his personality, seeing the 24-7 and then like seeing his interview he did after the, uh, the practice before the Winter Classic when he, he announced before the team did that he wasn't going to be playing. You know, he had that same kind of like, he's just a, a quirky, weird dude. I mean, yeah. the fact that he just, he opens up by saying he has good news and better news and the good, yeah, good great news and good news. The great news is I'm not starting. The good news is we have a chance to win. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, as a Flyers fan, how do you feel hearing that? I mean, this is this guy you're paying. <laughs> I mean, that's an unprecedented contract. And like, I mean, you, you gotta be angry at it. I mean, cause you know, we, they gave him a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, they traded away some of the cornerstones of the team. Now, I'm not saying that it was a bad move. Trading Mike Richards was apparently a locker room cancer, and we got a ridiculous amount for Jeff Carter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you got Voracek, who's been playing well, and the first-round draft pick that turned into Sean Couturier, yeah. who has been playing right away and has been great. So, right. really, I do feel bad for Carter now, who is <laughs> yeah. sitting on the albatross that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, that's, yeah, that's... Who just fired just, their head coach today. That's just sad, you know. It's, I mean, as a as a Cleveland sports fan in, in hockey, or in 
baseball and football. I kind of like I want to see Columbus do well, but they're just they're in bad shape. They just fall. I'm excited. The Hawks play them tomorrow, so it'll be the first game under their new head coach. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, first I, game, you, you, first game under a new head coach is a dangerous thing. Yep, yep, it can be. So it, uh, in, it'll you know, be in any sport, I think. But, but he, yeah, but Carter even refused to meet the media for like th- three or four days after he got traded. He, I think, he knew like he was just that distraught <laughs> that he got traded to this horrible team, and that was before the season even started. Imagine if he knew then how the team was going to be. Yeah, how good for him! You know, the Flyers were definitely the winner of that deal. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, really, I think even without Bruce Golov, I like the moves they made in the offseason. I mean, you know, it's just, I, I wish Bruce Golov would play the way he was supposed to play, the way, you know, to the level that they're paying the money that they're paying right. for him. I don't, you know know? What, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's just more pressure, because he always put up solid numbers in Phoenix. I mean, he was always Which is kind of crazy. He put in solid numbers in Phoenix where you didn't have the kind of talent in front of him that he has in Philadelphia. Right. I mean, that's like, it's a crazy team. I mean, even even with the injuries they had, even with Chris Pronger out for the year, they, they've got a, a fantastic lineup in front of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get how he's struggling as much as he is. I think it's, it's got to be psychological to some level. Because, yeah. But I think I think you're probably right. Um, I think part of it is, is the fact that you've got Bobrovsky there, who played really well last year. He was a rookie last year. And I think... If the Flyers have the long-term solution at goalie on the team, it's Bobrovsky. It's not Brzgalov. And and I think that may be some of the pressure on Brzgalov because he knows he's got someone that talented right behind him ready to replace him. I will say I was kind of shocked that they signed Brzgalov because I thought they were just going to go to, to Brzgalov. I, I was really – that really surprised me because he seemed solid. Brzgalov, I mean, he fell apart toward the end last year. But, I mean, he's a rookie. I mean, he played really well for most of that season. Right. And like I said – if if the long term goalie for the Flyers is on the roster right now, it's absolutely Sergei Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but the Flyers, the Flyers have had issues with goaltender for over a decade. <laughs> yeah, really. Since Ron Hextall in the nineties, I don't think there's been any kind of consistency at goaltender in Philadelphia. Right. And um, and Brzezgal even spoke to that when he went before he went on his big universe spiel on twenty four seven. You know, he's, he was making these jokes about how. People couldn't believe he signed with Philly because it's such a horrible market for goalies, you know, and that, you know, he wouldn't survive and stuff like this. And he kind of spoke to that and then it was sort of foreshadowing. But I guess getting back to 24-7, you mentioned Pronger, um, who's out with a concussion now. And that was one aspect of the show, at least early on in the first two episodes, that was kind of fascinating to see. And that was the um, the concussion protocol. Because you've heard right. that the league has really stepped up to try to, you know, prevent concussions and and prevent players from going back too soon after they've been concussed. And it was kind of cool seeing the, the different things they have to go to, like the quiet room and how they get examined, and then like the tests that Giroux had to go through. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, it was just interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of interesting that that happened then. I mean, you had it while the cameras were there. Yeah. You had Giroux, just really the young, one of the emerging stars in the league, get his concussion, and you get to see it from behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It was a fascinating look at it. Yeah, it really was. I mean, what just, just perfect timing. I mean, you couldn't ask for... You know, uh, I mean, it, it sucks that he got concussed, but in terms of like TV, he's enter- back. Entertainment- he's back, and he's as good as he ever oh, right. was. I mean, but it's like it's not like it's not like you know, it didn't end his Crosby. career or something. Yeah, which is good. But in terms of TV entertainment, I mean, you couldn't ask for. I'm sure like the HBO producers were just like like just so excited that that happened. You know, in terms yeah. of just entertainment value, just because it did give you an interesting view into something you don't see very much. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same note, something that I found intriguing as a hockey fan too was I think it was in the third episode. 
when there was a um, call that had to be reviewed, and they actually showed like the war room in Toronto. Yeah, that was cool. That was really awesome. But, you know, because you, you always see it get referred to. Like if you yes. watch the game on TV, they'll talk about all oh, this is going to the you know to the to the war room in Toronto, yep, and you get to see what they had on there. Right, because all you see normally is you just see the ref <laughs> sitting there talking through a headset, and then like a few and minutes the later, TV, they, they'll, they'll show the replay that they have from yep. the TV cameras. Yep. But then you to see that war room with the, these guys just at this like control panel, and then there's just. Like, I mean, like, 20 TVs out in front of them just playing yeah. every game that night. I mean, it was just so fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, you get to see behind the scenes a lot of things. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, it's more interesting for someone who's a Flyers fan or a Rangers fan. But even, like you said, for someone who's not, you, you, get, to, you get to see a lot of how things happen. You know, a lot of this is relevant to other teams. Yeah. You get to see, you know, the concussion protocol. You get to see the war room. Mm-hmm. You get to see just how things happen, yeah. you know. You know, when you're not, you know, the parts of the time you're not usually paying attention to. Exactly. Um, I will say that I felt there's, like, a, a little bit of fluff in the show in terms of, like, showing the, the Christmas parties or, like, the skates with family. I mean, that's not bad, but, I mean, I, I would have been fine with just five more minutes of each game that they were showing that week. You know, like, just more mm-hmm. more of what was going on on the ice. Um, yeah, I feel like that I mean, was more to kind of get the casual fan, you know, to kind of get this... Uh, to kind of, you know, get, you know, yeah, that's, that's not for people like us. That's right. for the people who are, you know, starting to be hockey fans or who, who, who might, you know, that, that, I can see that definitely being an appeal to a, a group of people. Sure. So, I mean, it's like, you know, each, each episode was a full hour. So, I mean, you, you had a lot of really good stuff in each one. So yeah. Like, I don't think it took away too much. No, but, no, me, me neither. I mean, the, this is a minor complaint. I mean, I, I yeah. thought the series was stellar. Um, now, the Winter Classic, so, that, that was also a very good episode, and it was just, they, I mean, they totally blew it out and just made it so cinematic, and that, that's what you want from a show like this, so. Well, it, you didn't have to do much to make that, well, the game cinematic, and, and I mean, that was, I'm sure, again, that was a crazy game. I, I was gonna say, again, this is a, a, probably an instance of when the HBO producers were just clapping excitedly because they knew this game was gonna be gold, you know, like, once they saw it, they knew it was just gonna be television gold. And it yeah. was, especially the, the penalty shot with, like, what, 20, 25 insane. seconds yes. left or something. You have you know, Flyers down by a goal with 19 point yeah. something seconds left, and they get a penalty shot. Right, and then and then it's playing the music from the Prometheus trailer yes. <laughs> in slow motion, you know, as Danny yeah. Breer's I mean, making his way down the ice. Really, I mean, like, Henry Clonquist was the star of that game. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is just so damn good. He really is. I mean, he makes me jealous. I, I mean, any team he's on is just gonna always have a shot to get at least into the playoffs, if not further, because he's just so consistent, like night in and night out. I mean, you saw, you said the Flyers had so many chances in that game. Yep. It's just he was putting it away, and and to his credit, Bobrovsky was too for the most part. He did. He was very solid. Yeah, he definitely held his own in there. I mean, that the, you know the second goal he really shouldn't have given up, but that third one, like there was nothing he could do. Right, I mean, cross that one's like on that. the defense. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. But I mean, really, I think. You know, it was a great game. I mean, like if that's, you know, the the, the Winter Classic's going to draw an audience that most NHL games don't, and so you got a really great game right. for a group of people who might not watch it that often. Right. So I think I think that's really good for the sport. Yeah, it was. It, it was just a very entertaining and, and exciting game. 
Um, I know it hurts being a Flyers fan, but it, you know, if you take a step back, like I, I'm sure you, I mean, really, it's like it, you, said, it, you can really appreciate it. You know, it hurts less because the previous game they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Well, they, so really, yeah. it was kind of gravy at that point. Right, you hate Pittsburgh more than you hate New York. Oh so, yeah. yeah, oh definitely. And they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh with goals by Yager and Talbot. Really, what, yeah, what you, more could you, you ask for? That. Oh, you know, that was something I I, I really loved too. Was the um, I don't remember who it was on the Rangers, but you know, he, he scored and then he did the yeah. the Yager salute. Um, and then it was interesting. And, and then the Flyers players were like pissed at him for yeah, it. Like, it was, he's a legend. Don't you go yeah, after him. Don't was you do that. Hearing that on the ice, and I hear them, you know, they couldn't believe that he had done that. And then they actually planned if they had scored another goal, which I wish they had just to see this, was they were going to do the um the gun thing that uh <laughs> that one of the the Rangers players had done a few weeks earlier, where he oh, scored wow, his like nice. first goal or second goal <laughs> of his career, and he like turned his gun his stick around like a gun and like fired it's at the goalie. <laughs> yet another reason I wish they'd had the chance for that. Yeah, I mean, how good would that have been to see? <laughs> yeah, really. To see Hartnell like drop down to his knee and shoot at this, you know, shoot at uh, Lundqvist or something like that. Yeah, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um. I guess sort of in, in, in closing with 24-7, uh, what do, what do you think for next year? Because I read an interview that, you know, they might, you know, they might just do the Winter Classic yet again. You know, they haven't decided for sure, but it was, I think they had mentioned, one of the producers mentioned like that they'd like to do the, um, like the playoffs. I don't know whether just the Stanley Cup playoffs or just, you know, all the, all the different series in the playoffs in general. I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if the teams would be as willing to go along with it at that right. point. And that, that, that to me, that's the only, would be the only hurdle. Especially. But, I mean, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I but mean, I, I, I don't know that the teams are going to want to let people in that much during that period. Right. So. Especially when series can last over a week long. I mean, you know, you don't want yeah. strategies to be given up for either your opponent then to see or your next opponent to see. You know, it's. Right. It does kind of. Yeah, that, that's, that's the red flag there, I suppose. As big as the Winter Classic is, it's just another regular season game. Right. Happening right in the middle of the year. Right. So. Exactly. So yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's not as, uh, meaningful at all as <laughs> the playoffs. But yeah. Alright, well, I think that will, uh, just about do it. Did you have anything you wanted to add, JP? Uh, not really. I, I thought we, we covered everything. Awesome. You know? Penguins suck. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to get into it too much, but of course, the uh, the Flyers and the Blackhawks played the other night, and that was a exciting and disappointing it game was, all at once. It was. It was a heck of a game. It was. I, I didn't get to see much of it. I was studying at the time. Oh, but it okay. Was, it was. Uh, it, it was entertaining. It was yeah. another one. It was back and forth. Yeah, I mean, to, it, it, it very back and forth. I mean, the Hawks gave up two goals quick to the Flyers, and then with three minutes left, the Hawks. Get two goals real quick to tie it up, and then of course a late power play, and the Flyers win it with 30 seconds yeah. left. So, I was hoping we'd at least get a point, but what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening to uh, Connectivity Hockey Night. Uh, we might just have to do this more often. It's uh, pretty fun. So, yeah. uh, maybe uh, come playoff time, get a little uh, get a little heated in here, and maybe we'll uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, JP, for joining me, and uh, oh, yeah, we'll definitely. we'll see you guys later. See ya. That'll feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody please put a thumb in the air. Hey.